0: Hello and welcome to episode 1000 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, January 9th. This is not when this will come out, but that is when the date that it is. I'm your host, <laughs> Paul Spore, and I am joined by an illustrious guest line here with my co host of present, Justin Mason. How co you co-host doing? Buddy? Of Sometimes present. I'm doing well, Jason Colette, How are you? Ola. My Fireside co-host, Nick Pollock, Good day, what sir. What is happening? And then my former, but still very beloved co-host, Eno Saris. Eno, how are you? What,
1: what? It got to a thousand.
0: Got to a thousand. I, 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 was, I was wondering <laughs> this, and maybe you have an idea on the numbers, because I certainly don't. I didn't do the math at all. who has been on more episodes, me or you? Because you were on it before I was. And obviously, I've been on it after you. So we do have obviously we have a big I, overlap I, I think, together.
1: We we switched a little bit at
0: uh, at five. Like I left it at maybe at
1: six hundred or something. So
0: oh, well, in that, I think that, that case, yeah. I, I, well, how many how many were you on? And but you in, might the, have come on at four hundred, so we might be both like sort of tied at six hundred. That's the thing. That's the thing. We could we could yeah. have that. And obviously, Justin's been putting up his numbers. Jason's been on a ton. Nick's been on. I, well, I gotta think hey, of, so
1: how about a little quick shout-out to some of the po- previous co-hosts? The yes, previous
0: yes, absolutely. Nick, Nick Minix. Nick Nick Minix Mike Podhortzer? Was also, uh, I think Justin was saying Chris Mitchell was on it. Um, so, yeah, it's been through many iterations. The the iteration that I was first accustomed to was you and Nick Minix, yeah, And then... Yeah, you know, when I came on, when Nick, I think he left the baseball industry, if I recall, right?
1: Correct. Yeah, but now he's back doing some football, I think.
0: Oh, he's okay. Fantasy football. Yeah, because then, like, he decided to go, and I was like, "Well, I'll do this podcast with you." know, are you kidding me? <laughs> I will absolutely take this opportunity to do that. So, you know, um, Justin had a great idea to get everybody together for this. We got plenty of great stuff coming up. Uh, we'll play some "Would You Rather," of course. Next year's fill in the blank. And then of course the best game in the history of the world reliever or congressman Justin will have the, uh, the 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 names on that so you guys can figure out if it's a random middle reliever from the Pirates or some house of represent I know that's not a congressman but you know somebody in politics cuz I'm sure he's got a mix there but let's dive in with some some overall takeaways you know obviously we just hit the new year uh just over a week ago and uh we have an uncertain future, as has been the case now uh, for a while, more or less, since uh, you know COVID took over. Everything's kind of dealt with a level of uncertainty, and by the way, that uncertainty still looms over any sports season. But now you have the lockout too, so we're we're dealing uh, with some uncertainty. But let's operate on January 9th as though things will go forward and and be fine. And let's talk about our biggest lessons from 2021 that we're taking into our 2022 drafts or draft prep. So you have some flexibility there on where you want to go. Let's start with Justin. What is your biggest lesson that you're you're taking into your drafts or draft prep uh, that you learned from this past season?
2: Uh, I think it's to trust myself and trust my own analysis. You know, it's always great to get people's opinions, especially people you trust. But then that person talks you off of Craig Kimbrell. Uh, as a uh, really, really cheap uh, closing option. And, who
0: did that? Yeah, I don't
2: know. I don't know who Disgusting did that.
0: Disgusting if they did that. I
2: would I would slap that person probably. But it, I think it goes back to also what we talked about, I think, in the last episode uh, that you and I did together, uh, in which like I didn't get Cedric Mullins late in some of my most important drafts because I wasn't willing to just trust my ranks uh, and thought maybe I could get him later. And so it it's really about, you know, I do a lot of research. I do a lot of you know, uh, work to kind of get prepped. I know a lot of our listeners do as well. Trust that research, trust that work that you put in, uh, and don't, don't necessarily listen to the noise. Yeah. And I mean,
0: you know, obviously if you have a certain guy,
2: uh, or, or, or a couple guys that are available,
0: say after pick 200, when, when everything really opens up, you should leave your drafts with those guys. If those are the guys that you're keyed in on, that you really have strong feels on, you got to go get those guys. You're just going to kick yourself if they pop off and they're not on your best teams. And I know that that was a little bit of bittersweet Uh, you know, reaction for you with said is that he was killing it. He was on some of your teams, but he wasn't on your best teams. He wasn't on your main event. And I know that that uh, bothered you. So we'll see Justin attacking the player pool more and getting the guys that he believes in. You know, what about you? Your biggest lesson from 2021 that you're going to take into your either your draft prep or your 2022 drafts?
1: Um, you know, I think uh, I've been getting more familiar with the NFBC format and uh, those short ass benches uh, mm-hmm. have uh, have changed my philosophy about what to do with the late picks uh, and just generally how many currently injured or like probably injured guys I can take. Um, I, I I always am always I'm always like the guy who wants to take like Chris Sale and be like, you know, I'm taking Chris Sale in like the three hundred and fiftieth round, dude. I'm gonna get like <laughs> two months out of him. It'll be great. He'll be like two months ace and it'll cost nothing. And then you're you've got that Chris Sale on your roster all year and you're yep. like looking at that bench spot, being like, man, I really need that
0: bench. I need a pitcher this week. Should I put in injured <laughs> Chris Sale? Because I don't have anybody <laughs> else. And that's the tough part, right? And obviously, uh, it's become a big meme with Justin for that one main event team that had all those injuries. But he was trying to balance taking some of those fun risks that could pay off with you know, staying healthy otherwise, too. Because that's the tough part, right? You can maybe take a stash uh, of those seven reserve spots, but then the second that a few injuries hit you, you're in deep trouble, and that's you know Scott Pianowski always talks about not inviting that onto his rosters from the jump, so that guys that have long-term injuries and you know long-term being I don't know three weeks to a month uh, for the season, they're not going to put that on their team uh, because of the 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 corners that it can paint themselves into so i totally understand that you know and i know you've been talking about improving in the nfbc space you had some improvements this year so we'll see if next year is even a further step forward uh with six managing, x
1: last year baby uh, uh,
0: with with managing those those seven reserve spots that's one of the biggest hurdles to be honest and it was something that uh there is a learning curve for and we talk about it all the time you know those are your seven spots They become very precious, and the second that you start to get injuries,
3: you realize how precious they are. Let's move over to Nick. Nick, your biggest lesson
0: from 2021.
3: Well, first of all, I think we kind of glossed over how amazing it is that you guys have done a 1,000 episodes of this (laughs) podcast, and I just want to say I am truly honored to be here. I Guys, I I got a random phone call from Spore when I was in, like, guitar rehearsal or whatever, (laughs) saying, we should do a fireside chat thing, and the best phone call I've ever gotten uh, and I I'm just honored to call. be a part of this. um Thank you so much, Luis Castillo, for not doing well at all. Exactly,
0: that's what it was. <laughs> I was like, you know, we love this guy. I called him. I was on my way home from the movies. I'm on a voicemail. It was a long voicemail too. I was like, man, I just think we should do a podcast. We got to talk through our process with Nick Luis Castillo because we got it so wrong. And I just think it'd be fun if we did these every once in a while and deep dove on one thing. And boom, Fireside was born. It was-
3: it was amazing. And I I will be the guy here that is just in awe of all of you, of how much you've poured into this and what you've done. So thank you for letting me be a part of it. And truly, it's an incredible thing. Just thank want you for to be a that. part of it, man. You've become Absolutely. one of our best
0: friends in the industry. And, uh, it, you know, it, honestly, this podcast wouldn't be what it was without you and the fireside. So uh, great to have you. And I appreciate the kind words.
3: Well, you guys are amazing um all right so biggest lesson is kind of both of what justin and you know said first of all yeah justin the feeling of get my guys i remember last year there was this collection between like 40 and 60 of all these really fun players i wanted and i found myself saying what why didn't i just be a little bit more aggressive i was more conservative with some of the older guys i was like oh you know what i'll be happy with this just fine and i said you know what no i should have ranked joe musgrove higher kevin gaussman Shohei Otani, right? I should have actually really leaned a little bit more into that. John Means, um, who had, like, such an amazing two months and all that kind of stuff to start mm-hmm. the year. Um, and uh, what you were saying, you know, I think the biggest one for me that really resonated through the year was I remember being in on Jameson and Tyone and Corey Kluber. And I had this assumption of, okay, these guys are premier talents. And it's not necessarily the the two months or so that you have to wait. They were coming back right away but it was the assumption that they were going to be the same guy that they were before the injury. Yep. And I, I've i really taken that to heart saying, you know what, maybe Mike Clevenger and Justin Verlander, I need to maybe take, take some steps back here because we don't actually know if they're going to be that good for 2022. It's really hard for me because I still think Mike Clevenger, that slider is just so amazing and why wouldn't it be so good again? Or Justin Verlander has been this workhorse for so long. But yeah, we don't know and I really need to ensure that I'm pushing those guys down a little bit farther than I would like to. I think that's totally fair and you know s- somebody specifically in Verlander that I really do like that
0: I'm like I'm bought in but but should I should I tread a little cautiously because yeah, there's nothing in his profile from the last time he pitched that should make you weary of him from that standpoint, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to come back and be that guy, right? Because he's 39 he's been off for a while so i totally get that and being mindful of how long those injury guy injured guys could be out and you have to factor that in jason let's wrap up with you on lessons from 2021 into 2022 uh i know you're already writing some stuff for 2022 we're going to get into some of it later what, what what did you bring in from 21 that uh, that you're using in your in your draft season prep
1: Well, uh, you know, to kind of wrap up what some of you guys have talked about, and it's something that you may have heard in my language as I've talked throughout the year about the differences between thoughts and feelings. It's like if you think something, uh, thoughts are fleeting. But if you believe something, you have to have some conviction behind it. And each of you has kind of hit on that. Uh, But if it gets back to it, like last year, I was like the anti-Nick. I was absolutely out on Corey Kluber. I didn't care what he was. I was absolutely out on that. And that worked this year. Even though it, you know, set aside, he signed with my favorite team. I'm back in on Corey Kluber, and it's not because of that. It's because of what he did later on in the year. So it's like you got you have to separate your thoughts and your and your and your beliefs. Because uh, if you have a, if you believe in somebody, you got to have some conviction behind it. So if somebody says you're an idiot for ranking that guy 15th, say this is why I ranked him 15th. Don't just cave and go, oh, okay, I guess I will just you know what you're right. I'm out. I'm I'm totally out on him. It's like if you believe in something strong. I mean, Justin's the best example. We gave him so much crap about Cedric Mullins last year, so much, and he did not waver. That was a belief, and, and he was rewarded for that belief, and so that's what I'm taking forward, and uh, is have some conviction in what you're, you know, what, take a stance, uh, and if you've got to plant your flag on the ground, do it. Don't let everybody else distract you from it.
0: I, I agree, and I, I want to be clear. I, I talked him out of Kimbrel, but I, I didn't dislike the, uh, the the Cedric Mullins love. I, oh, I, was, was actually- I was
1: as hard as him on, on Mullins as you were on Kimbrel.
0: Yeah, I, I, I
1: I killed him on Kimball. Bro, bro, that guy's the worst. Why are you even wasting time on this?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about Kimball, when I was dead wrong there. So we both got it wrong. Uh, Jason, Justin did come up with some great info here. First episodes, Eno's fifteen. Jason's was eighty-two. Mine was one eighty-nine.
1: Wait, there were fifteen before I was on.
0: Yeah. Sorry, they were doing it without you, man. You what? You didn't? You missed those calls. Uh, Nick, and Justin's was five twenty one, and Nick's was five fifty nine. No, I don't know God, if you did. My world is coming down around me. I, I'm trust,
2: it I'm it trust, looks I'm like the early episodes had people. rotating hosts. Oh, that would be fair. Yeah, I think. I don't Understand?
1: Hey,
0: listen, <laughs> uh, they they decided on you. They were sorry. They sorry. Were,
1: so I overshadowed. Wait, sorry. So fifteen. What was? What were the other ones?
0: Oh, you you were fifteen. Jason's was eighty two. Mine was one
2: eighty nine. Justin's was
0: oh, five twenty one wow. and Nick's was five fifty nine. Oh, wow, you know what?
2: Really? Honest, I'm sorry, I I'm, I uh I made a mistake. Eno was on episode one. Oh, there you yeah. go. <laughs> no, his <laughs> life. They, they,
1: they was so great; they kept him off for fourteen episodes. But they did
2: have <laughs> rotating hosts uh through the first like fifty episodes or something like that. With uh, wait, Brandon Warren was on there, and oh, uh,
4: yeah,
2: yeah, uh, Blake Murphy yes 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 yeah. blake's great howard bender who uh i think is going on to do some other things <laughs> Big howard Howie? yeah so no
1: but we have an answer too hold on so uh justin came on right before i left so mm-hmm. uh, i probably left
2: around 600 is probably a good example, a good example. well he was 521
0: but so you were around
2: probably you, around you left 500. 520 was your last episode
0: Oh, that's how that's how much we overlap. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was go. just
2: producing before you left. That's right.
0: Oh, remember, okay. he was on producing with us. My first episode was 189. Yeah, I remember you were still sure. at the other place for about a year after I Eesh. came over. No, I I just I I thought it would have been later, to be honest. Uh, that that, that I, answers um, the question.
2: That I would have been because on. you have
1: all, you have 200 through 500, and then
2: the 500 after too. Yep. Yep, there you we a, go. Okay, so I got to start doing it. more solo episodes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, more info on that d- down the line. We'll, we'll talk about that when we unveil 2022. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about leaving something behind. All right, uh, you, you guys are talking about your lessons. Some of the stuff you got to leave behind. You guys have hinted at some things, but uh, let's let's go in inverse order here. Start with Jason on the wraparound strategy of preparation. Wise, not players, not players, but strategy of preparation. Re- Preparation-wise, what are you leaving in 2021? You're done with it. You're doing something new with regards to this thing, Jason.
1: So piggybacking on the, the belief thing last year, I spent a lot of time uh, believing that the 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 middle relief role was, was where the magic would happen with all the craziness of coming off a shortened season. Hey, uh, and Justin whatnot. thought that
0: too. Mm-hmm.
1: And that is what I'm leaving behind because I don't believe that's going to be the case this year. And notice I said believe and not think. Uh, with that. But that's what I'm leaving behind. It was a nice strategy for one year and it worked uh, for me. I I used that strategy in all of my leagues and I did very well in pitching in all of my leagues Uh, because I had depth. I was able to get some of those guys instead of chasing the closer spec or chasing the uh, the six, I was like, who's on a roster that I can use? Uh, and so even on some of those shallow NFBC rosters, I still had arms I could go get before they were expensive on Fab. In my local leagues, which are all deep keeper league rosters, I had that material. I had those guys. Uh, so that's what I'm leaving behind because uh, I believe we're getting back to some normalcy this year. And that role is not going to be as important as it was this time during draft
0: year last year. Yeah, because definitely, you know, now we're a full year removed from 2020. We'll start to see, I think, uh, maybe the starting pitching innings tilt back a little bit. uh, or The innings tilt back towards starting pitchers a bit. Take some of those relief innings away, perhaps.
4: uh,
3: And maybe give starters some wins. Who knows? Uh, Nick, what are you leaving behind in 2021? So a major emphasis for me last year was because of 2020, we had no idea what innings limits we'll see, how volume is going to be used. So I remember in my rankings, I heavily emphasized those that we could bank on in the bankable. Yep.
0: I remember that. And
3: uh, this year I'm gonna change that a little. I'm not gonna be so heavy in say like a Kyle Hendricks type or a Zach Granke. Uh, instead, I am going to favor, I think, a lot more of the young guys, especially some of them that we think maybe in the hundred, sixty, hundred seventy range than I would have in 2020. So or entering 2021. Uh, it's really just an emphasis of, Hey, lean in on that. And then still my, my general draft strategy, especially in a 12 teamer is those guys should be the last four starters you get and be ready to rotate if they don't work out in April. So yeah, you're not stuck with the Chris sale for two months. That bench spot is so valuable in April, which is so tempting. Uh, you know, but Ber- yeah burn Berner- Berner- is- you can be in on the next Logan Webb because it's everything. Yeah, you
0: know he, he was cut in early leagues. Go look last oh, yeah. year because he did not get off to a good start. So Logan Webb was a pickup for a lot of folks. There were people who believed in him and drafted him, and credit to those folks. But in a lot of shower leagues, he was cut. And and you know you focus a lot on the twelve team aspect where there is going to be that movement, and you got to have some burn and churn capability so you can beat maybe beyond the next Logan Webb. So I like that uh, Eno. What are you leaving behind in 2021 as far as strategy and preparation?
1: I'm not sure. This, uh, this one's a little bit weird because we all create rankings and,
0: you know, we struggle
1: over them. And we, we're, we, we look at these two players and we're like, oh, which one goes above which one? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to leave behind a little bit of a strict adherence to rankings and auction cap values. Um, there's a lot of false precision in uh, projections and in, yes. in, in auction calculators. Um, and I find myself in a draft um, questioning my own rankings and questioning my own, the, the own projections that I'm using. And like, I think that's OK, because there is a feel level that is um, probably going to be superior. I mean. The, the the projections that we have are a good guide, but they aren't necessarily uh, something that's always right or anything. They're actually a little bit better than a coin flip, you know. <laughs> so yeah. if they're if if they are a good guide, that's fine. You know, put them in that order. But then also, when you are drafting, be like, it's okay that I'm not taking this guy that's at the top of my auction calculator because, you know, I, I was uh, struggling. with Josh Bell always shows up at the top of uh, of my auction calculator and. He was like a viable pick uh, starting. I'm doing a draft, a a draft champions right now. And I think he was a viable pick starting like the fourth round. He was supposed to be a $16 first baseman by these auction projections. And I was just like, you know, they were sitting him against lefties some last year. Uh, He's kind of always been this guy. Jared Walsh is sitting there and he's like, you know, the same guy, but maybe better um you know so i just didn't i didn't uh leap at him uh i got jared walsh like two rounds later and, and felt okay about it so uh i think there's uh something about like you know what happens when you're actually in a draft room who yep. do you actually take in the draft room that's going to uh it's going to affect my my uh my rankings later too and make them better hopefully because i want hey. tested them
0: I couldn't agree more. Yeah, battle testing your rankings. Justin and I talk about this a lot. Push come to shove. Where are you really on two guys here? And then if you're going to keep passing on the Josh Bell when he's ranked right there and it's, you know, another round skipping him, another round skipping him, you probably have to move him down your rankings. And we've been talking about ranking integrity in terms of, you know, how much are are you just trying to rank what you think the end of season will be? Or are you ranking them based on how you want to draft them? And there is that kind of push-pull. It's not easy Uh, but I think there's a lot that goes into that uh, that we've been discussing on this show so I I totally agree with you there and I'm not against passing on a guy who sits at the top of my board there realizing that i don't want him there so i need to move him down and that's the value of mock drafts or the winter drafts which uh you know draft and holds best balls things like that where you're testing your rankings in the player pool
1: but also Uh, doesn't take too many rounds to for your plans to change
0: because if everybody's doing
1: the same thing all of a sudden it's like i've got to adjust the way i'm drafting because that you know this guy that i think is going to be there in the sixth no way he's gonna be there.
0: Yeah, so, uh, the the room absolutely matters. This room that Justin man. got me in, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, is not easy at all. The one that we're currently doing, uh, I'm I'm jumping guys left and right because this is a room of people that are confident in their rankings and they're taking their guys exactly where they want. Uh, Justin, I can't,
1: I can't imagine taking uh, a reliever in the second round. <laughs> it's
0: just like, well, that I've, I've heard, heard of smart. people.
1: Yeah, that and back-to-back catchers in like third, fourth round.
0: Yep. I've heard seeing, somebody I go body, like a stud, like, reliever, reliever, closer, closer. I'm like, what? <laughs> but I, I, I'm seeing uh yeah, that closer stuff, like they're moving up, and it's because of the lack of viability after like closer six. And so some guys are getting moved up.
1: I waiver I, I, wire in draft champions, you have no waiver wire. I get it like intellectually, but like sure.
0: emotionally, I can't do it. <laughs> Second round's too hard for me too. Like I I I can go pretty high. I can get even like three, four turn if I really want him. But I agree with you. But now round. you're taking like Chapman at the four turn. Like yeah, I know. That. That's the thing. Like now you you're all the, way, all the way all the way down there and I don't guys. even want him. Thankfully, guys don't like Gallegos as much as I do. So I can get a guy that I adore uh, a little bit later. But yeah, I, well, I totally We're talking about, about closers there,
2: Paul. Not not guys who are going to be
0: signing oh, <laughs> Justin, anything you're leaving behind instead of your terrible takes, uh, besides your terrible takes on Giovanni
2: Gallegos? You, I'm gonna leave you behind. Okay, um, so you're off. you leaving the show. Yeah, okay. yeah, Wait, yeah, Where are you going?
3: Didn't, didn't Arizona vote in favor of Justin? Yes, absolutely. Uh, sure. it, yeah, I just want to make sure that was. It, it, okay. it was a landslide uh,
2: victory.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> We're gonna do a recount on that
2: for yeah. sure. We know about Arizona's voting. <laughs> um, just kidding. Oh, and uh, what I'm leaving behind, uh, you know, you, you mentioned this draft that you and I are, are in right now. Uh, and that I'm um, dominating. I went with kind you... of an old tried and wait, true. Wait, wait, wait.
0: In this draft, did you like my last pick? My most recent one? Oh, I haven't even seen your most recent one. Sorry, I'm de- I'm derailing. Uh, you know, getting close to the camera. I'm loving this, by the way. Uh, Closer, Eno. Uh... You know. I'm tiny. Your last pick. No, you were huge. Been... I loved it no now
1: i've screwed
0: it oh you're in the blue oh, sorry i was on grid view too uh with with justin or with uh nick yeah i'm in grid view too but i see you uh creeping back there <laughs> like, you, know, <laughs> you guys can see what we're doing here it's bradley zimmer sorry justin i'll just tell you it was bradley oh you zimmer.
2: were the dick that did that oh yeah, yeah, yeah
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, i was streaming when i picked it and i said uh this could be our justin mason bait to get him into the chat so oh. i guess you weren't awake last night because i i was trying to reel you i was awake chat. but
2: I, I was busy writing and uh i was like oh i, I, I can get for brad or sure you'd see it i i'll get bradley zimmer next night. i didn't realize it was you that did it um yes i was like That's oh
4: fantastic.
2: I, I took drew Steckenrider, and i was like uh, you know because i think he could get some saves in seattle and i was sure. like Uh, I can get Bradley Zimmer the next round. This, again, goes back to my earlier point about, like, when you like a guy, just take him. Take him, Um, yeah. Yeah, because... I ended up taking Harold Ramirez, uh, you know, following that because I really needed outfield, but yeah, you can't
0: do trades, but I would almost do that. I, I mean, I, I think Zimmer will obviously run more, but mm-hmm. I like Harold Ramirez, so I don't hate that pick. But and I didn't do it just to just to Rubia, You've been But telling I telling me this whole
2: draft. It's, it's I, I really have been.
0: Yeah, I was hoping that you would come into the chat though and, and curse me out for that one, so yeah. I'm glad I'm glad we're getting it done here. Anyway, I didn't mean to derail your point, yeah. So, go, but go in ahead. this
2: draft, I kind of did one of my old strategies, which was take the best player available, especially early on in the draft. Um, and I think what I'm going to try to do or leave behind is that kind of strategy is roster construction, especially if you're playing in these high stakes, high level leagues is so important. Sometimes you need to just pass up on the more talented or the higher ranked player. I think a little bit, you know, alluding a little bit to what you know, was talking about and make sure you're constructing a really, really solid roster and really balanced roster. I did not do that in this draft we where now, and now I'm regretting this team, uh, a ton, so you know. Yeah, I I think the one thing that kind of pops off of that that's really interesting is uh,
1: thinking a little bit if you do KDS, like thinking a little bit about what slot you want. Absolutely, thinking a little bit, looking at ADP and looking at what people do out of that slot, and then thinking about like what that sets you up to do. So, like just piggybacking on what Justin's saying, like. Thinking about what your how your decisions flow down the rest of the way, what you're going to price yourself out of. If I take Tyler O'Neill here, I'm going to my price myself like am I leaving myself out of all those outfielders that are left at the end that are very exciting you know, that sort
0: of stuff. So yeah, I think that's a yeah, great call. And that too. the KDS strategy of, of like the the you know higher level uh, NFBC players that I talked to they're planning their rounds two through five with their kds not their first pick they know who they can get at the first pick they want to know what does pick seven do in rounds two three four five that i can you know and you can't plan it perfectly but what, what do you leave yourself open to like you're saying so that's a great call out there and justin so you said you were doing more bpa best player available here instead of getting the puzzle pieces that fit better together you've got all these great puzzle pieces but they might be better fit in different puzzles so to speak than the one that you've put together and so you want and to be more no trading exactly no trading, so you can't, uh, you can't no waivers, waivers a in a draft and hold either word. so you can't yeah. you can't do anything about it so you're saying you want to have more cohesive plans about where to get your saves where to get your
4: skills how
0: to lay down your power p- foundation etc I, I think that totally makes sense i think that's a great call on that one last one assuming we aren't robbed of a 2020 season or 2022 season what are you most looking forward to in 2022 nick
3: this can I mean, be pretty, pretty general. It, there It's it's obviously it's pitching, but it's um. and first of all, <laughs> don't you ever even suggest that we be robbed of a season? How dare you? Don't I, even put I'm that not, juju I, listen, out there. Listen,
0: I'm actually very confident personally. Okay. Uh, I know I, I've had a lot of people that are starting to get a little doomsday. It's January 9th. I know that we have heard nothing and that is a little bit alarming. Uh, we are, you know, four, four and a half people because obviously Justin Jason has his day job. Uh, but the, the other four of us have our livelihood tied to baseball. And and so, you know, we obviously want there to be a season. I, I don't think we're gonna have an issue personally. I don't even think we're gonna miss games. Uh, but I just wanna I wanna have the caveat
3: out there before people are Twitter. Well, we're not even gonna have a season, but I'm with <laughs> we're going. So
0: go ahead. Yeah. I
3: I I am looking forward to the ascension of those that are unknown or that are not, you know, considered top twenty assets in, in pitching or whatever. Yep. Um, one, of course, to, to please our gracious host of Jose Urkiti i uh, can't wait for Eno. that one you know also a uh, by the way you know uh,
0: i want i want to be clear i want to put this out there right now i'm not i'm not trying to take her from you I, I think i've had some people <laughs> act as though i've tried to take him i feel like we have both arrived at him independently and we both love him but uh in no way shape or form am i trying to claim him over you i think we have joint custody of him if, if you're okay with do that. you
1: have any or trolls i have an do you oh, really? No, that
0: That's tough. I mean, I don't, I don't have like, that. Like, I, doing really uh, well. Why are you trolling me? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I just have people that have, like, kind of been like, no, that's Eno's guy. I'm like, well, I didn't know that we had to claim. But also, I'm like, I, we both love him. And Anyway, oh, yeah. go ahead. Or Katie, go ahead, around uh,
3: 200 is, I think, wrong. And I think I'm excited yeah. for that one, too. But uh, there are, I mean, there's so many good ones. There's the ascension of Patrick Sandoval, you know, at 32 whiffs in a game last year, which you just can't do.
4: So uh, Garrett sick. Cole's
3: the only one that did it otherwise. Uh, but you have, I mean, you have John Means, maybe uh, you have also, I got to give a shout out to Jordan White because I know he's going to hear it when I say Aaron Ashby. Uh, I, Aaron I can't Ashby. wait for that moment so much. So there's so many young guys that I even mentioned that are going to get those opportunities. And those are the moments of the season I look forward to the most. So I can't wait. Nick, I totally agree. Your first
0: chart in your top 150 pitchers, where the guys drafted past 260 ADP, and it's a list of 24 names. I'm not gonna name them all, but they're amazing. 24, right. plus, 24 studs drafted past 260. that this time last year, we knew about some of them and we had some good thoughts about some of them. You know, Freddie Peralta, uh, uh Shane McClanahan was a prospect. Trevor Rogers had a little bit of buzz. Logan Gilbert was a big time prospect, but who was Huascar? Oscar Iano- I- 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 Noah? uh, James Caprillion was a, a, f- a failed top 100 prospect guy. Robbie Ray was the, you know, random, the same dude. He's always been, you can't really trust him except for a handful of starts. Logan Webb. Okay. He's some job giant dude who has a new pitch whatever dylan Cease, is he ever going to be anything and again there's 24 names so i love that part of the season too uh it's always great and there'll be a new crop this year oh yeah justin what are you most looking forward to in 2022
2: uh i haven't been to a live game since 2018 oh wow uh and i am really looking forward to going to a game live because uh, in in twenty nineteen uh, my uh, my youngest was just too young and uh, too uh, uh, too frail to to go to a game and so yeah it's been since twenty eighteen since I've seen a baseball game live so for me personally I am mostly well, a, pr- a professional one or a major league one I should say because you've been to the fall yeah. league yeah yeah I've been to a fall league but, but I but, but I
0: hear it's different it's yeah, different yeah. right like not not we love the AFL but going to a major league stadium for a ball mm-hmm. game different and I went in. May or June when I went to that Astros game with my friend Dusty. We all know I'm Dusty Wagner. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back for that first time was awesome. And yeah. it was, it was and super cool to be able to do. And I know not everyone's been able to get back. But once you do, oh, such a great feeling to be back in the stadium.
2: Yeah, it's, just, uh, it's, it's a different experience watching a game live. It, it really is. It really is. And just, just being there
0: with with the sounds and the smells and all of it, it's just so great. Jason, what are you most looking forward to in 22?
1: Yeah. Uh... I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the league's going to react to all the offseason news about the baseball. Uh, yeah. And if, if that's going to happen, then maybe we bring the stolen base back. Uh, and so I, I want to see if that's going to happen because if we are going to have a consistent baseball and the way stolen bases have just been going down, 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 and down, and it's a fun part of the game, yep. but if I'm going to sit around and wait for the home run, I'm not going to run. But if we know if the home run uh, could possibly be reduced, perhaps stolen bases come back. And we have a lot of youth in the game that has the athleticism to take advantage of that type of pendulum swing. Uh, we've seen it before in the game where it, kind of, where it kind of bumps up a little bit. If you go back and look at uh, how the league reacted to the uh, the post-PED testing era uh, and right before the the live ball era came back in, all of a sudden it was like flop. Uh, and it's just really it's disappointing to see some guys just standing on base when you know they have the athleticism to run. Right? Conversely, there were some you guys who were like "Stop running, stop running."
4: <laughs> True. You know, uh,
1: there was a stretch where Rosario was zero for nine stealing bases, uh, and because he was like, "I'm just gonna run." Uh, Is that when he was going like a,
4: for
0: his twentieth?
1: Yeah, yeah. Kind of like back, uh, you know, back in the '80s when like the Cardinals would run every time they were on base just because they could. They had one hitter, they had Jack Clark, and if it wasn't Jack Clark that was gonna hit a home run, everybody else was running. Absolutely. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how the league reacts to that. And uh, that's in part of my draft plans is uh, accounting for stolen bases. Uh, and because I believe they are going to be um, everywhere and not just front loaded. Cause I've, I've, some of the ADP I've seen, I see people chasing that speed because they're worried it's going to be gone early.
0: Uh, there definitely people are doing that. I, I would love to see stolen bases return um, at, at least get higher. I, I think maybe a team, like your raise or, or one of the, the very sabermetrically uh, sound teams, obviously every team's using sabermetrics on some level, but one of the teams like known for analytics, if they start running, maybe they can bring it in vogue. And I know it's all about like the success rate. You know, you got to kind of be around 72% or higher for it to be statistically sound to steal, but there is so much athleticism out there that is being wasted by not running. And it would, it would be a way to bring some excitement back because we're not getting the ball in play enough. So exactly. uh, I totally agree with that. You know, What are you looking forward to in 2022?
1: Uh, Two answers. I'm trying to make it real quick. One is just like these young teams that are kind of coming together right now. Uh, I want to see what the Tigers put together. Yeah. uh, What the the Mariners put together. (laughs) Um, um, You know, I want to see what the the Blue Jays uh, are going to take that leap from, you know, exciting young team to like dominant uh, team. So that's, I kind of like those team things, like what we saw with a little bit of the energy of the Padres. Uh, the last couple of years. So I, 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 I really like to see how teams come together and how the teams were built and how, how things work. And then uh, the other one is uh, I just want a normal season because um, you know I've been trying to develop this Pitching Plus model and it uses Hawkeye data. And so it started in... Uh, and then halfway through our second year of using the model, we had the sticky stuff uh, <laughs> thing, which actually really change stuff around the league uh like physically pitches were moving differently because they were spinning
4: differently so i just want
1: like i want like a full year without like a random uh change in the middle of the year that changes everybody's spin rates and like yeah just just a steady year
0: to build data off a steady year of more data yeah Uh, yeah i mean
1: i guess off of that some hawkeye has some exciting stuff that's probably coming in the future because as we get used to that hawkeye data we're going to say stuff about how limbs move um how bodies move and, and and some of the stuff that we're not no, we're not saying yet. Yeah, the well, next that's run, amazing
0: the, the next frontier is gonna be so exciting uh, with with pitching. I mean both sides, pitching and, and hitting, but the pitching aspect of it and all the stuff you're doing with the with the stuff plus and command plus
3: uh, is awesome. And I can't wait to see what Hawkeye allows you to do. All right. With the uh, limb data, hold on a second. And yes. are you talking like you can get essentially bat travel effectively and how it goes through the zone on the hitting side?
1: Yeah, we can start to talk about things in 3D.
3: Oh, uh, man.
1: Start to talk about the bat in 3D. Uh, for, for me on the pitching side, um, Ian Anderson's changeup does really poorly, uh, or not poorly, it's, it's like below average uh, in our model. And um, I wonder if it has something to do with the angle of his arm as it comes through. He mm-hmm. has a really high release point. And so then we will start to be able to say stuff about uh, angle of arm uh, hand speed uh, on changeups, um, you know, be able to do th- a pitching bot at, at uh, Cameron Grove. Uh, he's already doing some stuff where he showed that Luis Castillo uh, kind of shows, like, shows the difference between his sinker and his change. I think it's sink- sinker and change, or there's, I think it's changeup and 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 his rest of his pitches because his foot lands at a totally different time. Like he's just, oh, wow, it, it, he doesn't have the same arm speed on it. So I, I forget what pitch it is, but he's 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 like he's showing everybody one pitch by just footballing and like everything is different. And that's something that Hawkeye can do for us is is tough. I remember way back when I used to think Anthony's this Capone was going to be good. And I think, you know, he's been. But you were good. right. <laughs> but not for the reasons that I thought. Oh, OK. Thought- OK. I thought he had a really good change-up because by movement numbers, the changeup was good. Mm-hmm. However, the way he was getting the velocity gap, the way that he was making that change-up good was by babying his arm. He wasn't ripping it through. Ah, and so okay. everybody could see the change-up was coming, and nobody, yeah. ever, nobody ever really offered his change-up ah, or okay. they smashed it. And uh, he's good because he developed that slider. <laughs> he's yeah, not good because true. of why I thought he was good. <laughs> so I, I respect Man, that. Sometimes you can I, be lucky.
0: <laughs> I think we've all been there before, right? Where we hit on a guy and it's not for the right reasons. And it takes you back to old school, uh, elementary school math. When uh, you'd get the right answer, but you didn't show the proper work, so you wouldn't get full credit for it. That's how I think of those. Where I'm like, hey, I got the player on my team, so I get this credit. But as far as like touting that I got it right, uh, my work will not show that. So I I can totally relate yeah. to that. All right, it's time to play the best game ever. Would you rather?
4: Would you rather? Would you
2: rather? Would you rather?
4: Would you rather? Would
2: you rather? That's not even the best game we're playing today. It's it's not. It's not. It's it's, it's the best uh,
0: player-focused game only. But now when you take it out of the the realm of of players only – obviously reliever or congressman is, is the the best game ever. That's definitely true. All right. So only three of our four co-hosts will be playing on these here, uh, partly just for time. And also because Nick threatened me if I included him in any of the hitter ones. And I I didn't want to deal with that, uh, because you know, I, I don't, I I don't want to fight. I don't really want to fight right now. Uh, we're going to start with you Darvish versus Pablo Lopez. And, and all of these have a little thread related to at least one of y'all. Uh, this one, Starts with Eno, because in your recent piece regarding uh, guys who could kind of come back from rough seasons, you Darvish was focused on. And obviously we know he had his issues, and they are pretty closely tied to when the Sticky Stuff ban happened. And that's why people see that as like, well, he kind of lost his effectiveness. They took his groove away, so to speak. So what happens in the future? So Eno, let's start with you. You Darvish or Pablo Lopez?
1: I'm taking you, Darvish. Uh, not only does my model like you, Darvish, a lot better, but uh, you. Speaking of the spin rate, uh, he got his spin rate back uh, by the end of the season. I, I'm not going to comment on how, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but uh, he got his spin rate back. Uh, his strikeouts were there. The stuff was there. Uh, I will admit that he has a home run problem that is demonstrated at this point in the juice ball era. He's got uh, like a 1. 1.3, 1.35 homers per nine. That's always going to be a part of it, but I think he can, uh, you know, reduce some of the the stuff around that, the walks and the uh, and the and the and the, bat, the balls in play, and uh, just give up so more solo homers uh, and have maybe a highish ERA, but have lots of strikeouts. And then maybe most importantly, or or just something to mention, I think he'll have more innings uh then Pablo Lopez uh, Pablo Lopez has topped out. I couldn't believe this when I looked recently. He's topped out uh, at 125 in the last 5 years. Yeah, he, he was pacing uh,
0: toward that excellent season and then the, then the health just derailed him. I mean, he was having such a good year and then that shoulder it was game over.
1: Yeah, so I don't want it,
0: I don't think it's only a bulk play. I think you Darvish is a very good pitcher,
1: so I'm going to go with you.
0: Okay. Uh, Nick I know where you I know where the rankings are, but you have them close enough that I still think it's worth, you know, kind of seeing where you're at. And if you've changed it all, because when you put the rankings out, you did have Lopez just two spots higher. Twenty eight to 30 is barely anything. So I wonder, do you still feel Pablo Lopez is your guy? And how do you feel about these two Lopez versus Darvish?
3: It's funny. I, I would have guessed I had Darvish above Lopez. So <laughs> uh, things have changed a little over the past, what, two, three months. Um, these are uh, from,
0: uh, what was the date on these? Yeah. October 6th. So that's another reason why I felt like I'm not just going to refer to your rankings and, and not right, you a chance to talk through these. Cause I, I changed date. Like I leave my rankings <laughs> up. My Excel file is open all the time. And when I have a passing thought about somebody, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should move them up. Like, a right. Cause I've been looking it's deeper right. into them. So I totally hear you on that. And they were only two ranks apart. So now you're saying Darvish Absolutely. might leapfrog well, Lopez for you.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's why they're called the way too early, right? Yes, um, exactly. And and I know there's some joke about just like you, you know, it's you um, or something. I don't know. But yeah, it's like you, Darvish, for me for a couple of reasons. As you mentioned, you know, the uh, the injury history of Pablo is actually really scary. It's something I wasn't really taking into account when I did those the first week of October. Because it's I think it's three times now there have been injuries to that right shoulder. And that is terrifying. Shoulders, that's a bad word. And it is uh, only not when it says good before it, but right. It's uh, <laughs>
4: with,
3: with the other element I have really focused on. I think this offseason is about um, really comparing repertoires and seeing the, the ability and how much depth there is to it. And we look at Pablo Lopez. It's that change up. And as much as we want to think that the cutter might develop or the, the breaking ball, it just hasn't. And uh, I don't have much faith in the long term of. Pablo being more than really a changeup guy who did lean more on four seamers a bit, and have a really good command with that and work well inside the zone with it. But how much do I really believe in Pablo Lopez long-term being a fastball changeup guy predominantly? Um, while you Darvish, the cutter, yeah, tons of home runs, like so many, but I will mention the slider, um, which we have it as 25% usage. Sometimes you combine the cutter and slide, but really when he threw it around 81, 82, whatever that pitch is, Super effective last two years. I mean, we're talking over 70% strike rates, which is really good. Now, normally you see about 62 or so. You're hoping for 65 from a breaking ball. 70 plus with a 181 batting average allowed is elite as it gets, and that's 25% usage. The fastball is still a strikeout pitch, uh, and he's throwing it hard, and it's just about cutter. Yeah, please stop allowing double-digit home runs off of that. I think that can change. I think that can be a good thing. And also, you know, I remember seeing Max Bay put out this chart of the command plus per start of Darvish being an absolute spike at Richter scale through the year, um, and that was post sticky stuff. Yeah, um, and he's that's not, interesting to he's me. Not,
1: I mean, he doesn't have great command to start with, and that's, that's right. what makes him a risk. I think he, I think he goes in and out of little funks. You remember with the Cubs, he had that big run, and we were all like, "Oh, he found a new release point."
3: And yeah, I yeah, think right. That's, we don't know.
1: <laughs> that's the story of new Darvish. Is that right, he, yeah. he finds and. He finds his command for like, you know, three months and he's, he's lights out.
3: Right. So, so the, the point there is that, you know, some people might say, oh, post sticky stuff, not the same. Well, actually, it was actually up and down. So that to me doesn't say mm-hmm. that, oh, he was worse after. And the very last point I'll say is despite the 422 ERA for Darvish and sub three for Lopez last year, Darvish had a better whip, 109. And we're wow. saying he's going to be better. So I think, uh, I think to me, for all those factors, more innings, whip should be better, more, more strikeouts. Strike There's a high ceiling with Darvish that wasn't reached last year. It's just a clear-cut Darvish.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at Darvish, and one thing that I do like about the post-sticky stuff situation is it was still just a 7% walk rate. Um, So it's not like he he completely lost his control. The command was off, and the home runs shot through the roof 2.1. You guys have both mentioned that. That's the key. But I think a home run issue – uh, at that level, because he he's going to allow homers, Darvish is. But I think at 2.1, it's certainly fixable to bring it down to something more manageable. And if he's not walking, guys, then even if he has like a a 1-2 homer 9, um, it might not be that painful. Because if you're not putting anybody on base, it's solo shots for a, a lot of it with regards to Darvish. Because he's also very difficult to hit 7.5 hits per 9. So I totally agree there. Justin, let's finish with you on Darvish versus Lopez. You, are you sweeping it or are you giving Lopez a vote?
2: Uh, I really hate following both of those guys because they just <laughs> crushed it. Uh, if you had asked me a week ago, I would have said that Lopez was higher and in, in much higher in my ranks. Um, but the injury stuff, like both Nick and uh, Eno mentioned, have me dropping him below Darvish. I feel like I'm unlikely to end up with either in drafts, though. I think they're okay. both kind of... There are too many guys going after them that I have ranked above. Uh, and both have injury concerns for me that make me a little bit scared as rostering them as my like SP two, which is, uh, what I don't want to, you know, have going into a draft with good roster construction. I don't, I don't want concerns, uh, heading into the season because shit happens to guys I don't have concerns about. So, True. uh, I, I will likely be avoiding both, but if you make me pick, I'm probably going Darvish.
4: Okay, I
0: think I think that, I think that definitely uh, is understandable there. Let's move on to our next one, and we'll start with Jason since he was the uh, odd man out on that last one. And this comes from Jason's piece here because we did recently talk about this guy, uh, Justin, and I did with Bobby Dolbeck. and we didn't have a lot nice to say. So I'm interested to hear the counter, which uh, Jason seems to have some some like for for Dolbec. So I'm gonna give him an opportunity to talk about that. Bobby Dahlbeck versus Trey Mancini, Jason. Where are you coming out? At the very least, even if you pick Mancini, I'd still want to hear your case for Dahlbeck because you had him in your AL East bold predictions over on RotoWire.
1: Yeah, so I was listening to y'all, y'all talk about that while I was walking my dogs with my with my AirPods in and I was like talking to the air, disagreeing. I do, th- I
0: do that all and the time strangers when I listen to the pods. Me, like,
1: what is this guy doing? I was literally yep. like, what are these guys talking about? You, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was me. But seriously, I mean, getting back to the beliefs and, and thoughts, this is a top 10 first baseman this year. Oh. That's where I'm planting my flag. And it's like, to me, it's ludicrous that he is currently first baseman 24. It's ludicrous. I mean, when you look at what what his potential is, uh, and perhaps it's because I saw a lot of him in the second half and watching him early in the season. I mean, the holes were a plenty in a swing. You could find him and get him out. Uh, later in the season, that wasn't that wasn't happening as much. And you could look at his in, the in-season growth and his chase rate. He was... Uh, Shrinking down his zone wasn't getting himself out as much. And we knew, we know from his minor league pedigree, his ability to hit the ball with power. I mean, he, I want to say he had a 70 label early on uh, with that. And so it's just always been a matter of can he make enough contact to make no. that power uh, in game, uh, to make those in game home runs. From what I saw <laughs> last year, yes. And then when you take a look at first base and say, okay, like where is it? Some of the names right now, Rake is 10th. But then you got Cronenworth, Muncie, the aforementioned Josh Bell, Ty France, Reese Hoskins, Tyler Stevenson qualifies at first. Uh, yeah. Votto, Rizzo, Kirillov, Mancini, Guriel, Scope, uh, and then Frank Swindell. That's Those are the names. So it's like if you're looking for somebody, and Dalbeck's ADP right now is 233. He's gone as high as 147, but as low as 355. And there's a lot of question marks in that list that I just. Uh, raised. And so if, yeah, if Dalbec re, uh, regresses and has more contact issues, he's out. Uh and one thing that plays against him is right now he's going to hit in the bottom part of that lineup only because of what's on that roster.
4: Yeah, they have but a lot. But to
1: great me players. this like if you're looking for somebody who could take that significant leap forward at a position, that's this is the guy
0: for me. So you are picking him over Mancini too, right? Yep. Okay, okay. Um who do I have next on there? It was Justin Again, we, we talked about him. Does anything change your mind here from what, uh, what, Justin,
2: uh, what Jason has outlined with regards to Bobby Dahlbeck? I mean, we, we had this discussion on Twitter, too, um, and, and there were a lot of people to jump on the Bobby Dahlbeck train. A lot of smart people who I respect in the industry. Yeah. Um, I just I, I know that there were some changes like in August after he worked with Schwarber, um, but it's also really, really small sample size. Like, and I just, I think we've seen this tape before from him. In yeah, to so know? Yeah. Oh, uh, and it, if we're, you know, like, yeah, there, is there a potential? Absolutely. But my family had believed in my potential too, and I ended up on a podcast with you guys. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I think it kind of depends on what you need when you're getting to that point of the draft. If you're really power starved and you've got a nice little average buffer, uh, so that way, if he does hit, you know, his body weight, um, you're not crushed. But uh, ultimately, if you're just looking like everything kind of being equal, I'm taking Mancini. And listen,
1: how much I, does I would add just a what if Mancini's traded? I mean, there's no reason for him to still be in Baltimore. There really isn't. Uh, how much of his value do you does he lose if he leaves
0: Camden?
2: That's a fair point. I think it's a fair point. I also wonder if if Baltimore has the balls after you know, he's kind of been like this rallying guy for them when he came back. back player of the year. Do they have have the balls to, you know, trade away the one part of the fan? Can they
0: they really get anything, though? Does does a corner corner guy who really should be a DH only, uh, putting aside his excellent story and all that, this player type, though, does this get anything in the market that would make it worth trading him uh, for, you know, for the one year? Um, it's not an unfair point to bring up, Jason. I just I don't know that they'd get anything enough to make it worthwhile. Maybe
1: that's why they didn't trade it at the deadline. When that's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I think the PR is is
2: is isn't worth the return.
0: And by the way, I did that you know kind of uh, uh, sarcastic little mention of Miguel Sano. I will freely admit, you know, Miguel Sano has two 30 homer seasons, another with twenty five and twenty eight. So there are paths where, uh, if that is who Dahlbeck is. That there can be some success i bring that up more for the volatility and and the the uh the way things can go sideways with this profile is my concern with dahlbeck uh we'll finish with eno uh because again nick is exempt he has a waiver to not talk about hitters uh you bobby dahlbeck or trey mancini uh
1: i take it mancini i love the fact that uh Dahlbeck barrels uh, twice as many balls uh, as Mancini, but might strike out twice as much. <laughs> uh, there's something something uh, uh, symmetrical about that. But I also have uh, this cool uh, extra uh, expected extra base hit uh, metric that Max Bay uh, created before we lost him to the uh, the Astros only and, matter of time. Uh, right You might be yeah, you might be surprised. Trey Mancini. 43rd on that. this is also expected x-ray's hit was more predictive of next year woba than barrel rate uh trey mancini was uh 43rd 42nd and bobby dalbeck 49th so uh there's i know that their their swings are different and dalbeck's is better for homers but mancini um not only the strikeouts but also the swing path i think will lead to a much higher batting average and i think that's probably true even if he's not in baltimore so Um, I mean, given the fact that he strikes out uh, at 20% rate and also has uh, a little bit more of a a, a level swing. uh, I just think it's a way higher floor situation, though. I think I agree with uh, Jason in general about, like, his placement, Bob Dalbeck's placement. I'll take him over some of those names. I'll I'll also take Mancini over some of those names that he mentioned because there is some excellent ceiling there for Dalbeck. But the floor is so much higher for Mancini, so I'm going to take Mancini.
0: Yeah, I, t- I tend to come out that way. Um, <sighs> I don't know. Like this is one I'm obviously digging in so much now on Dahlbeck that if he goes if he goes off, I'm gonna be getting tweets every home run. But I'm I'm open to <laughs> it. This is a profile that I just am not that keen on the the uh the boomer bust nature of it. Now he's not super pricey either. So it's not like playing paying for Dahlbeck, if you believe in him is uh necessarily going to sink you. So I, I freely grant that. Let's move I just over to Kyle
1: O'Neill in the fourth, and I feel like that's very Dahlbeckian, and that makes me more nervous. <laughs> I,
0: I, I understand that those nerves and I like him and he's got the raw power and speed that should With carry O'Neal.
4: Right, but that, that
0: strikeout man I just keep looking at those Domingo Santana and Steven Souza seasons from 2017 and I see <laughs> Tyler O'Neal I really do let's move shut over to pitching I, I'm t- tell me tell me they're different tell me they're different Dude, Nick you're up. back
3: you're back Aaron Nola versus Luis
0: oh I am, I'm yeah. back
3: I, I yeah. sorry I, I didn't know if I'd make it back in time I just <laughs> went and got some more coffee yeah some yeah. bubbles uh, I, was that we, fun? We, Did you have a good time? Yeah, was we talked titters. It Who wild. Who won? Uh, Who was it? Uh, <laughs>
0: nobody won because we weren't <laughs> talking about pitchers let's be honest but it's your turn now your turn to shine here Aaron Nola versus Luis Castillo you know two guys uh, that have been prominent in in our discussions right Uh, oh yeah you you started as a very big Nola guy before he fully you know came through and broke out obviously he's coming off that season that everyone sees uh deserved better you know he's not a sleeper he's not off the radar everyone knows that he's an obvious bounce back candidate Castillo kind of did his bounce back in season he was brutal for two months closed pretty strong where do you go between between nola and castillo nick
3: yeah it's kind of funny in that those early rankings we mentioned before i had castillo at 18 and nola at 19 and i'm just looking at these rankings again going my god why these suck
4: um these are (laughs) are terrible
3: uh so so nola for me i think i've moved into around like the mid-teens while castillo is probably falling into the early to mid-20s um, I think the biggest thing for Castillo, and it kind of ties into the U Darvish and Pablo one, but Castillo's always had a bad whip, and I don't think that's going to change based on what he does. Yeah. Um, I don't think the fastball is commanded well enough. He throws it hard, and when he does it right, it's so beautiful. It's, you know, it's it's. Uh, I remember my very early Rotographs article about Luis Castillo's at-bats, the five that made me love him, and it involved that command. But not quite what we've seen over the years. Nolas is better, even though it does teeter too. Um, it's still overall, I think, a better, uh, more uh, consistent offering than Castillo's fastball. So you look at the other stuff. Nola's curveball is one of the best pitches in the game, in my view. It's just so unbelievably consistent. High CSW rates, high strike rates, low batting averages allowed, all the things you want. It's incredible and better than the Castillo's changeup, which took a major step back this past year. But then again, Nola's changeup wasn't, nearly what we want it to be left it up a lot more overall high fly ball rates, which allowed more home runs this past year. Um, Castillo slider is still a good pitch. It's not quite as elite as we think it should be. Maybe one day we'll see Castillo really lean to that that slider and he will ex- ascend.
4: Mm-hmm. But I
3: think overall Nola also just, yeah, he's going to probably throw 200 innings and hopefully the Phillies are better in that yeah. bullpen to help support him too. So I think Fingers overall, it's just, you're going to get a much safer um, overall performance and again 112 whip last year for nola not bad that's really even good. In,
0: even in what everyone considers like a rough season because right. the era just the home right? runs yeah it's we just get the home so runs. era focused that we don't even acknowledge that that whip is is legitimately great not just great for the era 112 is great no matter what your era is
3: so, so yeah good call there uh so every okay. day every day like, like it's nola day
0: once again Excellent. Eno, what about you? Nolan Castillo, two guys you've also talked a lot about and written a lot about uh, over at The Athletic. Do you have a lean one way or the other between these two?
1: Yeah, I got to plug uh, my piece at The Athletic because I'm I'm here to market myself. <laughs> uh, the, uh, <laughs> I wrote a piece about bounce back pitchers just recently, and um, uh, Nola was my favorite. Uh, and also, uh, a couple of things come to mind. Uh, Null returned $8 of value uh, on the Rotowire calculator uh, last year. Castillo returned zero. Uh, so, you know, if you're talking about two bounce back guys, you, I mean, I'd rather get the bounce back from the guy who did return some value last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing is uh, Castillo is a change up first guy. And I think just generally, uh, I love my man Urquidy, uh, but Urquidy costs a lot less than Castillo. And if you're change-up first, I want to spend less on you. You're, uh, when I when I did pitch-type research, I found uh, a, a less of a link between your change-up uh, swing strike rate and your overall strikeout rate than any other pitch. Uh, people use the change-up for soft command. I think it leads to high whips. Um, it doesn't lead to the great strikeout rates. And the last thing is, he had the bad fastball, and he got it back over time, and everyone's like, oh, with the weather, and so that's why it's good, and don't worry about it. Uh, sorry, it's gonna be cold again next year.
0: True, true. I mean, there will be another, you know, unless they
1: that's such a good point. point, Like, it's still gonna be cold, and and unless
0: (laughs) they move him
1: to start him for a month, then that's he's a five month pitcher all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, can they can they trade Luis Castillo out to the west coast? For those that are unaware, there is a pretty stark. Uh, warm weather situation. That's why I love Luis Castillo so much because he uh, does. He doesn't mess with cold weather. He does not flourish in it. Same, same Luis. <laughs> Cluebird bold. Yeah, exactly. Hoover yeah. had those early season issues that seem to be weather related. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a pretty distinct split uh, around the 70 degree mark for Luis Castillo. And obviously he's still going to be in Cincy, at least right now. So he's going to have to deal angels. with those same things for the first couple months. Going to the angels would be so perfect for him if they could somehow do that. Jason, are you going to sweep it here for Nola versus Castillo?
1: Yeah. Now I know how Justin feels going after these two guys to talk about <laughs> pictures. Uh, that sucks. Uh, yeah, I'm going to sweep it for Nola only because, you know, a couple of things that come to mind, you know, one, Nick, how, his curveball is so amazing, but how is he giving up 10 home runs off his curveball last year? That was really, and I had Nola. I was uh, heavily invested in him last year. It got just got annoying to watch him pitch. It's like, oh God, don't hang that one. Boom. Uh, <laughs> and it, it happened. But when you look at, you know, we, because it's, it's funny that we tied it in back into, uh, you know, with Darvish because some of the same types of things, if you look at by, you know, I was I'd put a chart together earlier this winter, uh, and there were four pitchers who had an ERA over four with strikeout rates and all the other good stuff, and they were Tristan McKenzie, Gilbert, ah. Nola, and Darvish. Those are the four guys that had strikeout rates of at least 29 uh, 26%, good ratios, uh, low batting average against just the ERA was awful because the home runs, and if, that, if we can fix that, yay, uh, and uh, you made the point. Uh, one of you guys made the point about the bullpen in Philly. It's, it's, it's better. Uh, it got better as the season went on adding Corey Knebel certainly helps uh, add some depth to that bullpen, but it wasn't like he was getting beat around third time through the order uh, Nola. Uh, so it's, you know, not to expect that i would i would expect 200 innings pitched uh, right by adp right now he's 15th in, in pitchers uh not by east, uh 15th in pitchers but hater is, is in the top 15 yeah uh, with there as well so it's like he's still in, in the mid-teens for the starting pitchers uh but if you try to get the ability like like would you rather type of thing i could see taking him over over julio urias only because if i really want the innings guarantee i want Nola.
0: Yeah, I totally think that's fair. The dogs agree. They they really really love <laughs> Nola. It's a clean. Not? Uh, Five
1: nothing. Both dogs are chiming in. Yeah,
0: they're they're going crazy right now. They re- they really don't feel like Luis Castillo. They're yeah, not much one for point, changeups.
3: One point about the curveball stuff, I do wonder if uh, if Nola's changeup and fastball get a little bit better, maybe he doesn't have to rely on that curveball in those situations. Right. That would then lead to the home run. That's maybe just stupid optimism. I was looking at his approach. It didn't really change that much on the curveball relative to previous years. But maybe that could be an answer for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh you know, another thing about Nola and we talk about the bullpen for sure with reason. Defense too. Can they get the defense a little oh, bit better? Lord. I think that certainly helps him or hurts him and uh it doesn't always show up in errors, right? Cuz then those could turn into unearned runs. It's when they can't get to plays because they're too inept defensively that turn into base runners that that uh, average or above average defenses, yeah, that they would turn <laughs> into outs. So instead he's got two runners on via plays that other teams would have gotten out. And then, boom, three-run homer instead of a solo shot there. So that maybe that's something for NOLA, too, that they can help improve by tightening up the defense. And that's um, that's and something I, that
2: is real negative for Castillo. It's just that, that Yes, defense th- that behind defense it. there sucks, oh, too, yeah. to be honest.
0: And it, both ballparks are tough. So that margin for error is is lower when you have uh, a rough defense and a rough bullpen, and you're in a difficult
3: ballpark for half your game. So they, they yet, have factors working against them. And yet Zach Wheeler is still so good. How did he yes, not he win Zion? I don't get yes. it, man. One Agreed. third baseman away from a Cy Young, I guess. Uh, pretty yeah. much, pretty, pretty dang much, pretty Crazy. dang much.
0: Speaking of third baseman, great transition there. Even though you hate hitters, uh, <laughs> you helped us transition into this next one here. See you guys. Alex Bregman versus Chris Bryant, another piece that Eno wrote on his four bounce back hitters, uh, featured a little bit of Alex Bregman love. So we will start with Eno once again here. Talking between these two guys, um, is Bregman's potential bounce back enough for you to take him over Chris Bryant? Who would you rather between Alex Bregman, Chris Bryant?
4: Uh, this
1: one's really tough for me, and I'm going to be wishy-washy. Um, I'm, I guess, I'm going to take Bregman. Uh, the things that are interesting though are that like Bryant has a better barrel rate. Um, and uh, I could see him, uh, you know, but the thing with Bregman is he's always outproduced his barrel rate. He knows how he's kind of like Brian Dozier was with the twins when he was hitting tons of homers just by hitting it to that one part, <laughs> that one park spot. <laughs> yeah, I know the exact and,
0: spot you're talking about.
1: The thing with Bregman is he's got those Crawford boxes, he's got it figured out, he's got this tomahawk uh swing where he just Clobbers high and tight, and, and high high fastballs. Um, and he had he showed me uh, late in the season a, a like a not like a full golf ball, but like a half golf ball sized His wrist, just a disgusting thing that very I've never seen otherwise. Just like a I don't know, like a cyst or like a you know like a bone, like a I don't know something really gross uh and he's now had that removed <laughs> uh i think it's one of those things where it's not like uh bellinger's you know shoulder surgery where yeah you have to have all this rehab i think it's one of those things where it's just like this gross thing on your wrist you take it off you you start rehab like a week later so um i, I think uh, he'll be healthy in a way that he wasn't last year his hamstring he said uh almost tore off the bone oh my god uh, so he was having a real hard time coming back with that hamstring. I'm just, I'm getting on health here, uh, you know. And then there's all this uh, unknown about Bryant: what park he's going to hit in, what lineup is he going to hit in, where's where is he, he going to go? Uh, so I think the Astros lineup would be good. He knows that park. He's going to be healthy. I'm going to take Bragman, but it's by a nose for me.
0: Yeah, they are close. I just think there's a little bit of um, maybe venturing toward the the famous 06010 fantasy focus comment of maybe the hate's a little too far, I think, on Bregman. I think people are kind of forgetting him, moving off of him. He doesn't run, so that's unappealing. Uh, you know, we, we know he's probably not going to hit 41 homers again, but it's like he can still hit 30-something with a ton of runs and ribbies and a good batting average in, in that ballpark with them. So I, I think we got to be careful not to forget him. Jason, you only have to follow Oh, Eno on this one, Alex Bregman or Chris Bryant? Yeah, and
1: the point, the his final point and your final point nearly tore the hamstring off the bone, as I nearly tore my ear off my head with my, <laughs> uh, but nearly tore his hamstring off the bone, and you said people hate him because he doesn't run. He used to run. It wasn't too long ago that he was putting back to back double digit stolen bases. So perhaps if the hamstring is fully attached back to the bone, he can run again. I mean, the offense may have to. Uh, Retweak how it approaches things with Correa likely being gone and not coming mm-hmm. back uh, to that. And you know, the the injuries that Enoch just walked us through really explain everything. When you look at ADP right now, Brent was only half a round behind Bryant. But as long as he's in that ballpark, and he's only 28 years old, and, and this kind of hitting profile is the one that I can never just ignore. I and mean, he's got double-digit walk rates, and his, his contact rate is like elite. Guy, right, yeah. uh, and it's just like he knows what he wants to go hit. And even when he's falling apart, he still knows what he can do and take advantage of. So to me, it's like, I want I want Bregman all day long here. And it's not the Chris Bryant hate, but then you factor in the, the Chris Bryant free agent status and uh, the, the, the theory that uh, Rick and Glenn have made very popular about first year free agents on big contracts struggling in yep. year one. Um, I want Bregman here.
0: Yeah, I I definitely think that's, that's where I'm leaning to now. Um, this Bregman, again, I just keep coming back to him in drafts. I'm like, I think I think maybe the hate's going too far. Justin, sweeping it for Bregman.
2: Yeah, I am, uh, and I mean these these are two guys I've been kind of lower on than the consensus uh, for a while uh, for a few years, um, but uh, you know a, a buddy of mine who's a big Astros guy uh, kind of uh, said that or clued me in on something with Bregman, especially is that he you know mentioning uh, what you know was talking about with a wrist or hand. Uh, injury obviously that was uh bad for him but he's also working with new trainers uh to kind of get his hamstrings looser so he doesn't have these issues that have been dating back to college uh i think this might be a season in which we do get a fully healthy alex bregman uh and if we do and i mean he he doesn't even need to start running again necessarily to the extent that he did in, in 27 and 2018 if he can just get back to health uh, I think he's going to be a value where he's going, uh, and yeah. you know, for all the reasons that were mentioned about Chris Bryant, uh, you know, and on top of, I, I just always worry about that back issue reoccurring. Uh, I'm pretty much out on him, especially until we see where he lands. Yeah, and Jason, great
0: point about hey, when he's healthy, he can probably run again. Stone bases are such a personal preference thing. Um, I think in a way, almost more than the team. I know we focus a lot on the team and what the manager does. And I understand why we do that. Cause we don't know what each player's thinking, but in terms of somebody like Bregman, if he spiked a 12 stolen base season, I wouldn't be surprised because that would be like a fully healthy. I can do what I want now, and I think he wants that to be part of his game. But he needs to be healthy to do it. So I think that's a great call out there. And, and
1: I would add, and I, just to uh, add to that point, if you know, I know a lot of people like going to Statcast and looking at sprint speed, sprint speed, and saying that's where stolen bases come from. Nah. But you know, you could almost look at his year by year sprint speed and say, oh yeah, maybe he was hurt. 2018, 71st percentile, 2019, 63 percentile, 2020, 55th percentile, then last year, 24.
0: It's like, there's no way a
1: guy in his late 20s is going to get that slow that quick. He's clearly having problems.
0: Exactly. And so, again- He has to be healthy first, but I think the beauty with something like with somebody like Bregman and drafting him is you're getting him around pick 100. He doesn't need to run to be valuable. If he goes the 27.90.90 that Steamer has him for with a 269 average, that'd be really nice. But then if he could throw on some extra steals with it, then you're really turning that pick into something special. So I agree with the sweep on Bregman. I had Bryant one spot ahead of him in my rankings. I'm flipping him. I'm in on the Bregman train. Let's finish. Would you rather with one more pitching battle here? Logan Webb versus Max Freed, two guys who ascended a big time last year. But now people are wondering, can they be the full on ace? Can they go, you know, the 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 near 200 or even the 200 innings and become the, uh, you know, take that next step and become the gods that uh, a lot of people think they can become. Let's start with Justin here between Webb and Freed. Are you going to go Homer or are you going to go with uh, Max Freed here?
2: I mean, we just talked about both these guys recently, I think two episodes ago, mm-hmm. uh, and you you brought me up on both of them. So people can go back and, you know, and listen to kind of the debates uh, that we had on that. But I've got Logan Webb just a little bit higher uh, just because of the strikeout upside. I love the park as well. So I'll let these guys uh, ramble on uh, yeah. uh, a little bit more in depth so that people can go back and listen to episode 997 about our thoughts on these two guys but for me i, I, I just didn't want to make hair. you
0: have to follow them again so i appreciate I, let you, that. I let you lead
2: off there but yeah if you want
0: detailed <laughs> thoughts on both we deep dove both of them nick Logan Webb, Max Freed. Now, when you did those those two early rankings, I think they actually had a little bit of a split between them there, because uh, you had Webb uh, surprisingly low to me. I don't know where you're at now. Maybe you still have him there, but you had him at 33 to Freed's 25. Are we still there with these two, or has the uh, the study since early October uh, changed Webb or and or Freed's outlook for you? Where do you stand on those two, Nick?
3: Well, you might be thinking I just took a nap, but I heard torn hamstring off the bone, and I woke straight <laughs> up. <laughs> Uh, I you check your own ham like Oh my God. Yeah, I was like, oh my God. Here? Are we okay? Is Holy everything t- fine. Me, um, So I, I am still definitely in on free. I'm actually more in on free. I think now Um, as you guys, as you know, Spore uh, is that I've been doing these projections um over the past week or so live streaming them on Twitch and everything as I do it. So fun by the way. And I actually each
0: player oh, every single one. We do like 200 of them. streams, man.
3: Uh, and uh, well, thank you. But, 3 4 ERA, 114 whip is what I settled on for Freed while I had Logan Webb at like 3 7 or so and 117. And there are a couple of reasons for that. First of all, Max Freed, he had a weird start to the season, had a good opening day, but then two starts after, allowed 12 run runs and two starts, and then went on the IL for a hamstring injury came back with a 234 ERA with a 0.92 whip the rest of the year starting on May 5th. Uh, I think the, the home run rates are gonna be fine. Remember there's like 2020 of like one home run allowed on the last day or something. Um he's still gonna be under a one allowed per nine. While on the other side of that, uh, Logan Webb is it's shocking to me. He had an 18% fly ball rate. And among qualified pitchers last year, the lowest was Castillo at 24%. And believe it or not, actually Framber Valdez was underneath Logan Webb around 15%. And I think that's a really interesting thing because Valdez and Webb are not that different. Um, you have Webb, who had about a 38% CSW rate on a slider. We all know, for Amber Valdez's curveball is legit, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. But the question I have is, you know, is Valdez a sinker that great? in Webb last year, vertical break on the sinker was one of the highest in the majors um, on that sinker, which is really great. I don't know if it's going to be that again over a larger sample. It, there's a lot of things about Webb's 2021 season that stick out and are an outlier in this weird, awesome moment. We haven't seen a long track record. We haven't seen him being pushed 400, 80, 190 before. He was injured at the beginning of 2021, remember? It all just seems like this magical run that happened for Webb. And I think we kind of need to acknowledge that the changeup, sometimes it's really good, but he's really more sliders. Great fa- fastball is not getting burned whatsoever. He led one home run over 1100 thrown no you oh, don't wow. do that, that on a fastball fewer than that's that that's crazy this year. <laughs> uh, yeah right and and that's you just don't see that so i i think for me Webb is good he's gonna help your teams he's gonna you know the, the giants are gonna lean on him a lot and that's great but i think max freed has you know 109 whips two past year uh, both of the past two years is going to be trusted with uh, Atlanta. Curveball's really shaping up well. Slider was actually used a little bit more often when behind in the count, more trust there. It's just a better repertoire. I think he can even be better than he was last year as he develops that slider more. It's just clearly Max Free to me. I think he's going to be such a great SP2 for a lot of teams this season. I love Max Freed. I'm so, so
0: in on him. I do love Webb, though, too. So I'm I'm torn here. I'm eager to hear the other two participants, or, or the last participant here in Eno, Logan Webb versus Max Freed. Where do you come out here? We're kind of split.
1: I mean, I know what my model tells me. My model tells me Logan Webb. It no! Says, it's not, it says it's not <laughs> even close. Uh, 96, not even close. Wow. Stuff plus for Freed. Uh, 101 location, 102 pitching, and for Webb it was one, uh, 109 points, so that's a 110 stuff plus, 102 location, 105 pitching. Um, I think the, 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 if you look at uh, people who've had big uh, jumps in, in production, one of the things we used to do all the time on this show, one of the things that uh, is uh, popular and I think a good way to do, think about things is look at pitch mix changes that Change The changes in performance that are linked to pitch mix changes are more uh, are more stable than than some of the other ways you can find uh, changes in performance. And, you know, he went to that sinker uh, as his as his bread and butter. Um, and what I think is that there is actually, I know you know, I know that his strikeout rate is a little bit soft um, because, you know, with Webb, uh, there's some history of lower strikeout rates. He's kind of a ground ball guy. Maybe, you know, what is he going to strike out next year? Seven, eight, nine for, you know, nine for nine? What's it going to look like? Uh, but I think there's some upside there in the strikeout rate because he'd put in all the work on the four seam and the cutter and the slide and the curveball. He's put in all that work. He is a sinker changeup guy in you know, in, the front, in the front ground, but in the background is all this like three, four, five years of work he put in on the other pitches. So I think him bringing back in the four-seam as a strikeout pitch, now that he's established himself as a sinker-first guy, now he can bring in the four-seam as a surprise pitch. He has a larger arsenal than Max Freed, uh, and Stuff Plus says he's not lacking in terms of uh, stuff on these pitches. So uh, I'm going to take the larger arsenal, the great home park, the lower home run rate, Uh, And I'm going to hope that my model is right about the strikeout rate staying high or having some improvement possibly in it.
0: All right, so little Logan Webb love there. It killed Nick. He is off this, He's I'm, off the rest I'm of the show. Oh wait, no, you're back you're back. <laughs> he's regenerated. Again, I'm really torn between these two. I like both a lot. Max Freed's my guy though. I, I, I hyped him up a good bit in the forecaster gave him a little up projection. So uh, I, I could end up with both to be honest. like I, I'm not even gonna pick one. I'm gonna waffle here and just say I really, really love both. I have them. I have I have Webb very high. I have Webb at 10 and freed at 12. I love both of them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's going to end. Would you rather now move on to another game here? This one's going to be a lot of fun. It's next year's fill in the blank. Now, we've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, Justin and and how he foolishly will not embrace the uh, who's next year's Cedric Mullins and, and milk that for all it's worth. He's crazy for that. But this was brought to us by, uh, I, I was generated, I generated this idea via J- Jason's article, having two J names is killing me. I'm calling each of you your other name all episode here. <laughs> Jason wrote an article on who next year's Robbie Ray will be. And so we're gonna start with that. Who is next year's Robbie Ray established vet with a a spotty record who becomes an ace or you know a high caliber pitcher well it doesn't have to be an ace exactly what is an ace etc cetera, etc cetera. you guys get it jason who was that guy that you wrote about that you believe could become next year's robbie ray because you know it's got to be somebody that telling us now we're going to kind of maybe roll our eyes or be like i don't know man because that's what people would have done if you had told them robbie ray was going to do it coming into last year like we we accept it now because there was a full year of it but yeah. that's crazy that he became that so who's your guy so before we get to that, though, I just want to say I
1: have Justin's answer written down here for this year's Cedric Mullins. And when he says it, I'm going to turn around and show everybody. OK, I'm <laughs> telling you, I've got it right. here. I can't I wait. I know exactly I where wait. it's going That's to be because he, goes, he goes in front of me. And I was going to be like, oh, I can't put that guy because Justin's absolutely going to say it. So
2: I have it written down. <clears well, <clears but I don't even like, know what I'm going to pick. Oh, I, yeah, you do. Uh
1: so <laughs> I have it. Uh no. So this year I put Andrew Heaney and I said this in October at First Pitch Ooh. Arizona. And I said this because uh Jeff Erickson and I were sitting in the back of the room and we were just like talking about clowning
0: around. Plans. Like picked, how, how'd you
1: do crazy. Last <clears throat> uh, back there. And I had a I had a good year. And he's like, How much how many shares of Robbie Ray do you have? And I'm like, none. Uh I didn't because I was like I you know why? You know, it, because you know he was a he was a, a kingmaker, uh, Robbie Ray. Yeah. Just because you know he was he was freely available. Actually, I take that back. I did have one share. I did take him. I paid eight dollars in AL tout because I was kicking mm. myself for letting AL labor champ Ian Khan, buy him for four dollars because I was like, oh, you know, I should have done it. And so I, I uh, you know, three weeks later, I'm paying. Double the price for that. And A.O. only, though? Oh, so valuable. Yes. Yep. Uh, It's no wonder Ian ran away with the league. But it's like, so as I was trying to define who the next Robbie Ray would be, I wasn't concerned about the name as far as what Robbie Ray Ray was coming into the year. And I came up with some criterion saying, you know, one good fantasy season around a career of bad ones, an above-average strikeout rate, a continual case of gopheritis thanks to a lot of fly balls, perpetually bad ratios. Issues with splits, issues with the third times through the order penalty. And, you know, I don't have the fancy system that Eno has, but I have the let's throw it into the spread. Let's throw it into, into the spreadsheet that I've scraped, put it all together. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, my God, it's Andrew Heaney. This is you know, he fits all of these categories uh, and he goes to the Dodgers. Now, the, the, the article that I wrote and again, I wrote this in mid-October. But this was, I was speculating that the Giants would go after him because the Giants mm-hmm. were losing part of their rotation. And, you know, Giants have just been touching other people's garbage and turning it into treasure. And I was <laughs> like, okay, they can do it here again. But it's not like the Dodgers don't have a bad track, re- track record with this either. And so, Yeah,
0: they have a great track record doing the same this
1: thing. This is, uh, you know, that was one of the other flags I planted this winter and I planted it early. And, you know, I went out on Twitter and said, yep, this is, the, this is who I th- believe, not think, this is who I believe is this year's Robbie Ray. Uh, I have no idea where he's going in, in pitcher ADP. I haven't even looked. Um, I can tell you. It's it's. With that, I'm going to look now, but I'm I'm curious to see if he's – so he's 122nd off the board, and he's going behind Eric Lauer. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. He's going in front of Yusei Kikuchi.
0: That's 300 uh, this overall will be year, That was 122 among Kikuchi pitchers. Viewers, right? So, yeah, right. he's 120 – I'm sorry? 122 ah. among pitchers. He's after Correct. the pick 300 overall for Andrew
1: yep. He's gone his late as 584. And, some, and that was probably the first draft. And then somebody read my article. And then they just go 23. So, yeah. Justin but was not in that draft. That's where either,
0: I'm at. <laughs> Andrew Heaney, that's a good one. I knew that would appeal to Justin. And uh, Eno, I believe you were the one putting some of the, your notes on the rundown here. And you listed him among your potential guys. So we'll get to your. Oh, your, your.
1: that's right. You can all see my answer. Yeah, it is visible. <laughs> I haven't looked <laughs> at him.
0: Uh, I'm looking at it. They, they I, don't know I was currently are. trying to do some research no you're because, uh, <laughs> you to totally he fine he was I,
1: the one who highlighted darvish i saw the names uh, that you did yeah, there. Right? i
0: was like uh I, I was like i think i think Eno put heaney on the, his list too but
3: nick you're up next who's so, this here robbie ray so i have a, I have a collection of them um, the second one you wrote down Eno, was on my collection um hmm. but uh, i think actually even listening to you jason uh there is that, was is
0: that j gray or s gray it has to be
3: John. Oh right? no, no! It has to be the one that changed locations. I'm thinking. Right, you
0: know what? The gray that you asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there is that John. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, make sure. yeah.
3: but uh, I didn't want to spoil it sport. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm
0: sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I wanted to be clear of who we were going to be talking yeah.
3: about. Okay. <laughs> but I, uh, there's so many guys I could talk about, and I'm going to take a bet that Ian uh, Justin, you're not going to talk about one of these two. Um, so I'll talk about thinking of as older, um, on the older side. So mm-hmm. there's Carlos Carrasco who didn't lose velocity when he came back last year. Um, and who has had success in the past. It's not necessarily the same form of it, but I'm sure. thinking of an older pitcher who has strikeout upside who we're kind of just completely forgetting about Yeah, and we're just writing off. Slider and changeup were the big issues, and those weren't the pitchers of, pitchers of old. But normally when I see guys come back from injury or whatever and we think they're old and they're degrading, it's fastball velocity goes. And it didn't massively go for, for Carlos Carrasco, mm-hmm. so there is a hope that he gets his field back now that he has um, a full proper spring training. If you don't remember, he missed the first half of the season last year. That's right. Um, the other one is one you're all going to laugh at. But if you want to talk about home run rates, 1.94 homer allowed. Yet he had a 23 uh, percent. Sorry, actually a 19 uh, percent strikeout rate. But recently, his 2019 had a 28.5 percent strikeout rate. Oh my God, and that's Patrick this? Corbin.
1: Oh, uh, now, now you're really a Justin sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're just catering to oh, Justin. I here. mean, oh. if you want to
3: talk about a late guy, it, it's 4.08 right now. And oh, I'm, I'm yeah. not saying in any I'm way. Scrolling, scrolling. He there he brilliant. is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, not saying in any way you should draft Patrick Corbin, but I will say the fastball velocity peaked. In August and September the yeah. slider was just not well commanded it was very inconsistent. I remember actually watching him seeing the arm speed slow down and it just was so telegraphed at times and it was it was annoying. It, I could actually see a guy feeling his shoulder as he came through on delivery and I know this oh. feeling of throwing a curveball and forcing it out and I could just feel how it's cocked and you obvious know, like that said, it's oh. there. And I wonder, Patrick Corbin, like, don't forget he exists. I, mean, I know 2020 was bad, but that was also kind of 2020 was bad. Yeah. <laughs> and fastball velocity came back up. That was down in 2020. There's something to that one. I may mean, I can go a lot of other guys, too, uh, but I won't spoil them for Justin. Because I know what Eno's on I only on, have I one left
0: at this
2: point of my you know? list of four. <laughs> oh, you had I, I hit them? E- Eno, okay.
0: Eno might. Yeah, he loves Corbin. There's, Eno there's might take him more. Oh, go go ahead. More. Give, give your other name. Jesus Lazardo.
3: Um, oh yeah, I completely mean, forgotten about increase the curveball and changeup usage, pulled back on the bad pitch that he was throwing with Miami I mean, at this the is very the end of the year. With did him, well. Right? Like it's legitimately and, right. ugly. And someone that uh, I just feel is there is potential theoretically if he changes approach and all that, kind of like how Robbie Ray did. The one knock on the Heaney one is that Ray had high walk rates that Heaney's never had to struggle true. with. That's true. So as far as the approach change goes, it's a harder path. Than it was for Ray, who decided, "Hey, I'm just gonna throw things in the zone." I'm just gonna throw it now, in the zone, yeah. And y'all are gonna have to deal with that. They're gonna right? hit
0: some solo shots, but I'm not gonna walk anybody, and I'm still a strikeout God. And that's he just attack, attack, attack. So, you know, we see that you have the four names here. Uh, Heaney's <laughs> been discussed, and we hinted at Gray. Uh, you can, of course, still pick John Gray if you want, but but who do you like here for your next year's Robbie Ray?
1: Yeah, I did have to write a who's find the next Robbie Ray piece for Athletic, and Heaney was uh, probably the number one answer, but. Uh, uh, you know, that was, uh, looking at free agents. So, you know, when we're talking about fantasy, we can talk about, you know, people that are under contract. I think the, uh, an obvious and he doesn't really fit is Blake Snell, but I, I think of Blake Snell because, um, I think he just, he, he did it late in the season, but he just needs right. to slim down his arsenal, throw in the zone more, trust the slider. Don't fall in love with that change up again. Um, and I, and I could see him uh, having up. an excellent year where he cuts the, <laughs> no, he cuts <laughs> the walk rate.
0: He is in love he with it though. Up, like
4: right? he, he he thinks he loves, his changeup, really like it. he
0: really really loves it. I remember Nick. Yeah. Remember when we um oh we had, we had talked about him at one point, and and we talked about like what we thought his favorite pitches were. And He's like, oh, I listen to y'all's podcast. My changeup's my
3: favorite pitch. And we were like, wait what? <laughs> no. We couldn't believe it. We couldn't. Believe I've been, it. I've been dreaming of Snell to stop throwing that changeup since I came up with the Blake Snell blueprint. With the Blue like, Blake Blake don't blueprint. even exactly. do it, man. Well, it was and, one uh, of the
1: first things I learned from Mino was like how somebody's curveball could be their changeup if. Yes. On, on a different plane, right? Uh, and right. Like for him, and that's where Snell got successful last year. He finally mm. said, I'm just going to throw my curveball to righties and lefties just throw and it use it ton. as my off-speed pitch.
0: Exactly. And, you know, and he's I'm a like, high-end I mean, version of this because he's pick 120, yes. but if he popped off... right and was another, you know, a top 20 overall player, there's still a ton of value there. So it's a higher end version, but I think there are still reasons to to discuss a player like that. You also listed John Gray uh, you know, getting out of Colorado, going to Texas. Texas is such a good pitcher's park right now. The new Globe Life, so good for pitchers. You had Heaney listed as well. And this one's a little bit different too. Christian Javier maybe hasn't had uh, the outright, out and out full on success that Arabi Ray had had before last year. But do you like Christian Javier to finally get back in the rotation? Because I know I called for it all last second half, thinking that he would switch with Luis Garcia. I was dead wrong. Um, uh, but Christian Javier, do you think he can get back in the rotation this year? They have some health concerns with an old Verlander returning, McCullers. Is Javier set up to to get more innings this year in your in your estimation? I, I,
1: I don't know. I don't know. Uh I the, the 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 flaw is obvious though, and that's why he ended up on this list is I just see him as a high stuff guy with low command. And yeah, uh, that's why he fit Robbie Ray for me. If you if you told me he was in the uh, rotation, I would buy shares uh, by the handful. So uh, we're still the, going to with I the think, uncertainty. By the yeah, I think I will probably have some shares. He's also an interesting guy in a draft and hold versus uh, like in regular NFBC because mm-hmm. in a draft and hold, worst case scenario, you're sending him in a, as a good reliever. Uh, exactly and th- they have value hear, in all your practical. arms are kaput or whatever yeah mm-hmm. so uh, i think the innings he'll give will be good uh, i wish it was closer to 150 160 because i do think he has the stuff to do it that's why i put him on the list justin i also just wanted to shout out ruben Niebla is now the pitching coach in san diego and uh people speak of him in hushed tones around the industry he's a, a god among men so uh, I'm really kind of excited for all of the Padres pitchers.
0: Yeah, we've highlighted Darvish and Snell already. Uh, J- Justin and I talked a little Nick Martinez coming over the other day. Uh, Justin, who's the guy left? Who's the last man standing from your list that's been uh, that's been ravaged here by these gentlemen?
2: Yeah, I mean, you. you this has been my favorite segment though so far. It's <laughs> all my guys being talked about. Uh, uh, yeah. The the one guy that hasn't been mentioned uh, that was on my list. Um, had the second best CSW percentage of pitchers with at least 130 innings last year, does a great job at limiting hard contact, uh, has a damn good walk rate, gets strikeouts, uh, is in a fantastic park. His one reason why he is disrespected year in, year out, is injury. But last season, through 138 and two-thirds innings, it's Alex Wood. Ah, uh, Alex Wood. Okay. wrote nice. down. Charlotte, North Carolina product, baby.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen,
4: right he,
0: down. he's good when he pitches often, right? Like that's the thing. And then you talk about the health piece. He he could be he could be a stud, and he's not uh, he's not getting a ton of love in the market still because of that long history of health. I think that's the the, the key factor there. Uh, so it makes him easy to buy and, and take that shot on Alex He algebra. doesn't
1: have that funky transformer delivery anymore either. He changed his arm slot so it's mm-hmm. more normalized. So it's not that, you know, I'm going to fold little. It's I'll a little funky. There's still it's some It's still fun, not as play. funky. So maybe the yeah, yeah. can hold up a little better because it's not as, it's not as right down on your paper. demanding as it was. He wrote no, 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 no,
0: no. That, that's else? for the Cedric Mullins one, you know. Oh. The, yeah, pa- the, paper the, one, <laughs> the paper <laughs> but, uh, was really revealed on this next one here. Go ahead.
3: 92 Nick. mile okay. per hour fastball. Finally again for wood last year. Yep. It went back up. Finally. That's how it was and, when he was a stud with the Dodgers. His changeup It was better back then, but now the sliders, the fantastic CSW pitch there. I really like that pick, Justin. There's
0: a handful of these guys that, that live kind of in the lower uh, register on velocity that when they're, that when they're at their peak, they're a completely different guy. And you would think like, what's the difference between 90.5 and 92.1. It could be a world difference, especially uh, when it's coming from the left hand side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I like the Alex Wood pick too. Great picks, there, gentlemen. Next year's Cedric Mullins, Justin. We're going to start with you. A reserve pick to become an elite power speed stud. So it's pretty wide open. Uh, You know, you you can pick from about two pick two fifty and on. Uh and, and go from there, just somebody who has to have power and speed and become a bit of a stud. So let's see if Jason if Jason's correct here. I, I don't know how Jason
2: has predicted this because I, I still if do. he pulls this off, I'm gonna lose my uh, mind. I mean there's a guy I've <laughs> mentioned in this conversation already that I, I do really like it is Cole Tucker. Um and then there's a guy that I've liked forever that this may be the time for him, and that's Bradley Zimmer. So I don't you know. Oh!
4: <laughs> oh.
0: That's wonderful. Amazing.
4: Wait. We start.
0: That's so. That's so excellent. All right, go ahead. I think you got to go with the Zimmer one now. I yeah, I, I guess let's I talk have to talk go. About both, but let's talk Zimmer because you have loved him for a long.
2: Time. I have loved Bradley Zimmer for for as as, as long as I've been in the industry. Uh, I was a big fan when he was drafted. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things the Indians let him start doing a little bit more was batting up higher in the lineup. He we know he has power, we know he has speed, so he definitely fits the kind of um the profile of someone who could put up a 3030 season. Uh the question is, will he make enough contact? There's still a lot of doubt about that, and I think that's the only reason why I'm hesitant to even put him in the conversation. That being said, there aren't a lot of guys that have that potential and Bradley Zimmer definitely does. If he can figure out a way to make more than 66% contact.
0: Yeah. And you know, one of your key things when you were highlighting Mm -hmm. uh, Cedric Mullins last year was finding somebody who was creeping up the batting order. That was your big thing. Like he's going to bat first in Baltimore, everything else, you know, there's other things I like, but the one thing I like is that he's moving up the lineup and that's what Zimmer was. He, he wasn't fully the number one guy on un, uh, untouched there as leadoff, but he started to move up. And in September, he was getting at bats at one and two. So if he starts to bat higher and can stay healthy, I could totally see that one. That that was an amazing he moment. He walks. He well walks done. a lot.
2: So he could yes, definitely he lead off.
0: So he'll get on base a bunch. Uh, Eno, you're Cedric Mullins. Reserve pick to become an elite power speed stud. Who do you like?
1: Uh, I'm surprised I'm saying this because I don't actually love this guy as a player. And the first time I ever asked him, uh, what sport he liked best, he said, football, (laughs) (laughs) Anthony Alford.
0: Oh, okay. uh, Remarkably athletic. Uh,
1: in the second half, uh, he had a 35% strikeout rate. And, uh, if you look at the rolling graphs, he was actually flirting, uh, with uh, like a 27% strikeout rate. If he gets to a 27% strikeout rate, he could really break out. Uh, if he has a sub-30% strikeout rate next year, he could really break out because there is a potential there for speed, power. Uh, the barrel rates are already there. It's all about strikeout rates. Sometimes these guys just figure something out, make enough contact to have uh, great years, and the physicality is there. So, and the uh, My other
0: answer was Akil Badu, but like... <laughs> He's too,
4: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's too good.
0: Yeah, he's too good. I'm, I'm super he's high like on him.
4: In the tenth or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I set a new min yeah. on him uh, in the draft that we're in right now with with taking him at, to lead off the eighth round. I love Akil Badu. With Anthony Alford, going to be age 27, a guy a lot of us probably have felt like he's been around forever because he kind of has. He first debuted for eight plate appearances back in 2017. So he's been around for a minute, but he's only accumulated 236 plate appearances. With Pittsburgh now, uh, he got 148 of those 236 plate appearances. He went five and five in that time. He went five for 11 on the bases, so he wasn't making the best choices. He was just kind of going when he got on base, but he showed some power too. I really like that name, you know. That's a great call, and he is free i mean there there is no cost tied to anthony Alford. so that's a great call his adp right now is a hot 600. one spot below edward oliveris who maybe one of you put on your list as as your guy for cedric mullins because i still love <laughs> Olivares, even though he must he'll be sent down 500 times this year jason you're next cedric mullins you already pulled off the the pen and tower s yeah. um the moment it, of the podcast of, of writing it down before he said it is this your card great great job there so you know you don't even have to do much here because you already won this segment but who's your pick for Cedric Mullins yeah,
1: that's the thing as I was as I was trying to find okay who could I you know zipper was the first name and I was like there's no way I can put him because Justin goes first and Justin's <laughs> gonna take so it's just like that was that's where I went but you know, getting back to the who's this year's Robbie Ray theme, it's like it's not what Cedric Mullins is, it's like who he was. Yeah, he was somebody that was going to play daily for a very bad team.
0: Yeah, that's why uh, I like the somebody, one. So if much.
1: somebody's gonna be a 30 30, then they're you know, if they're on a good team, then they're already well gone by our ADP measure. And so I'm trying to look for talents on bad teams that are gonna get opportunities, and I have two names i don't think i'm stealing anybody but uh the two names i came down with once i eliminated bradley zimmer was clint frazier and ruben and Odor. odore okay odore's <laughs> odore's Odor's hit the 30 um he's run recently uh and now he's in baltimore we're in the same conditions that cedric mullins was great home park because mullins hit 27 of his home runs in baltimore uh and so he's got the the condition to do that or a majority and maybe it was 22 but it was a large percentage of his home runs and has got the same thing and Lord and Baltimore's not even paying his paycheck. Somebody else uh, hit me up on Twitter and reminded me that the Rangers are actually paying Odor's salary this year, and Baltimore's paying them, yeah. a minimum salary. So it's like he can play as much as he wants, and he should have the opportunity, and maybe he does move on. Fraser, same thing with the Cubs. I mean, they gave Patrick Wisdom all those at-bats last year. The guy struck out 41% of the time, but he also hit 28 homers. And the aforementioned Frank Swindell, it's like they're giving anybody a chance to play right now. And it, this requires volume for guys outside the top 250 to get a 30-30. It requires volume, and those are the top two with Odor being the first choice uh, for me.
0: I like that. And I know you're in on Odor. It was a great way to bring him in uh, into the mix here because you did write him up in your AL East Bold Predictions at Rotowire. Go check that out as well. Nick, I I tried to leave you out of hitter things as much as I could, but you couldn't get away with it completely. So we need to know your next year, Cedric Mullins. You wrote here that it was gonna be Zach Thompson. That's a pitcher. that doesn't make sense.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, if you've noticed, I've been actually completely quiet for the last 10 minutes as I go type away and try and figure out how I'm supposed to answer this. See, I know um, his so- answer
1: here too. I should write it
3: down. I, I know <laughs> Talk for just a minute, but I'm gonna write your yeah. answer down well, here. I have, I have three of them. Okay,
0: great. Let's, let's hear it. Okay,
3: because I did exactly what Jason said. It was, what is Cedric Mullins to me? He has to be a leadoff hitter for a bad team. Okay. So I went through them. I was like, oh, cool, Badu. And I was like, oh, wait, no, too good. Uh, Trent Crisham, not. Sorry, too bad. So there are three guys. I actually thought the first one was going to be taken. Rafael Ortega. That goes back to the Cubs. Cubs. Yeah. Just he him... had double digits, home runs, and, and stolen bases last year in about 110 games or so. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something that unlocks there. All right. I'm going to say my favorite one last. Um, I think Alex Chamberlain would be happy for me to say Josh Rojas. Yes, he would. But- uh, I would, do. there's, I, I like there's still well. potential there. There's also the other Rojas in Miami. Maybe he's leadoff. Miguel Rojas. But yeah. I don't think that that's actually going to turn into a 30 30. I think my favorite one that I would be like, you know what? Why not? Is for me to stay in my Lane Thomas. And yes!
0: Nationals.
4: That's my guy. That's mine. Going
3: to be number, you know, first in the, the lineup. Soto's got to knock somebody that's in. A good one. And he's got to steal and going to get to second base. And there you go. Soto knocks him in. That's my pick, Lane Thomas. Yep.
1: Bro, that's, oh, if that's if not I, how oh I wrote God. down. I wrote down Michael Lorenzen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> Again,
4: oh, that's you want I second.
0: wish it was <laughs> so much. That, that, I, I would just but like no, to say
2: what Cedric Mullins means to me is everything.
0: I, that's true. I, I know. I know that. And uh, and deservingly. So he's great, but no, I love the lane. Thomas one, if I'd been participating in all these, he would have been my pick too. Oh, uh, I think he's, I think he's a great, great call out here. He's going cheap. He's starting to get some believers. So if you really love it, maybe, maybe consider getting in an early draft folks, because uh I think that ADP is going to start to rise, but he fits Justin's criteria too on that bad team. He was leading off late exclusively too, more so than like a Bradley Zimmer who was dabbling there. Thomas was doing the darn thing up there. Power speed, Love that one. All good picks. The Alfred one is really eye-opening, too, because again, I'm in these 50-round draft holds. He's that kind of guy when you're looking for something like, what do you do at pick 500? Take Anthony Alford. It could work. It might not, but he should get an opportunity to play. Odor, Jason, you've brought me around. I've never been a huge Odor guy, but Baltimore does magical things to players, too. So great names, all of them, guys. Let's get back into next comfort zone here and talk about next year's Freddy Peralta. I mentioned that at the outset of his pitching article, uh, of his pitching ranks, he did some great charts, including that one about guys drafted past 260 ADP who were awesome, easy waiver pickups from early, uh, from throughout the year who ended up being awesome, just to show you guys how deep the pool can get. Because if we had told you Freddy Peralta was going to do that what he did this past year, uh, this time last year, you'd have been like, I don't think so. I mean, I like him, but I don't know about that, right? He had his believers, but even they probably couldn't have fathomed that level of excellence. So it's an SP outside of pick 250 who becomes a stud. Stud is a little bit of an open term, so it doesn't have to be as high as Freddy Peralta. It just has to be somebody going later who becomes an absolute beast. Nick, let's start with you. Since you did so great in the hitter category, you get to go first. (laughs)
3: Well, it's funny because I did no research for this. I just assumed I would have an answer. <laughs> uh, and I, I guess I do. I mean, it's right around that 250. I think that's it's fine. Just someone we already mentioned before that I don't think is just not getting enough love whatsoever. It's crazy to me that Waskarinoa is going at 236.
0: I knew, I did, once you said it was a this little bit above just,
3: 250, I knew that's who there's, it was. Th- th- this is crazy to me. I mean, the story of Waskarinoa last year was he comes out and he's throwing 96-97 with an elite slider. And I mean, seriously, slider. it's 50-50 split, essentially. The fastball is getting, you know, it's it's making some mistakes, but it, it's so hard, and he's getting by with it. And the slider is just so filthy. He's striking everybody left and right, punches a bench because he has a bad day, and what do you know, we lose him for three months. And then he comes back and isn't quite the same. The fastball command wasn't back yet, and he had to over-rely on the slider. He threw 70% sliders, remember, one start, and it was just weird. And that's that. And for me, you have a guy that has an elite pitch in his slider and you have a fastball that's above 96 that showcase itself over a decent stretch of being an effective uh, number one pitch. So those two combined and not to mention that the changeup isn't the worst thing I've ever seen either. Uh, I, I think was know it can be legitimate this year, especially. I mean, K walk metrics. I mean, I know how much you talk about that, you know, of just number one step. You only look at one thing. It's K minus walk rate. Yeah, you know was amazing at that low walk rate, high strikeout rate. This is the potential guy to me, in the draft.
0: I like it. And like I said, as soon as I saw it, as soon as you said you're going a little bit above 250, I was like, it has to be a Noah. Because I was on the Triple Play podcast the other day. Noah came up and your name was invoked as somebody that you love. And I was like, well, it's <laughs> crazy. It's good enough for Nick Pollock. Good enough <laughs> for me. But I, I like I like a Noah, too. That's a good call out. I really was believing in him. During the breakout, and then he he knuckleheaded it with with the punch, and you know was uneven when he came back. Um, I'm trying not to hold that against him though. And you think he can survive with the two pitches because the slider's so good. He didn't have platoon issues, so I tend to agree that I, I think he can, I think the slider's good enough. This is not a De Nelson situation for me, so I really like Noah, and it fits the Peralta thing. Very well too, because he also is kind of a two-pitch guy, and we saw how successful he was. You uh, know, I know your two names here. I love them both. These are these are exactly the well, mold of what we're dealing took with ADP. here. I
4: the
0: Oh, are I they too the high? We
1: got we got to take Tanner Houck out of there. Oh yeah, he's uh, going around 202.
0: I still think he kind of qualifies though, because you you know pick 201. There's still some uncertainty with him. He goes as late as 288. So I'll let you talk about both. I I still think he kind of well, fits fits the mold here.
1: Kind of a two pitch guy, uh, you know the splitter. We'll see if it if it's any good. Um, but uh, I see, you know, he's kind of like a righty Chris Sale uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. But the one the one that actually fits Freddie Peralta, I think to a T, is Luis Patino. Yes, it in does. Tampa because perfect. Tampa fetishizes uh, 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 extension, and uh, Freddie Peralta is one of these guys uh, that, that I think he has like second or third most extension of the big leagues. Uh, Patino has good extension uh good breaking ball uh if command i mean that's i think patino is is a, is like almost a, a direct map uh almost a freddy peralta um and i just trust uh race player development Rays pitching coaching uh to get the most out of patino um and you know my model loves him and i i see no problems i guess you know i guess the reason he's not going uh is innings
0: yeah uh, and that's, that's the only reason right now um, but that's but Peralta too, right? Exactly. It was the yeah, same exact thing. Was, like that. Yeah. No, this is the best one. The Nolan one's very good. The Hawk one's very good. This is the best answer. Sorry, uh, Jason and Justin, you guys have to go. <laughs> this is the number one answer. Uh, you know, family feud style. Number one answer on the board here is Patino. <laughs> you guys can still go for two, but uh, this is exactly the the perfect answer, I think. So great call with Patino, Justin. Let's get let's get your not number one answer because you can't get the top spot. Sorry.
2: Uh, yeah, know Patino is a, is a very good call, but I, I'm going to go uh, with a guy who's going to be in a new park, new location, um, was really, really good last year. His ADP is rising in the same way that uh, Peralta's rose, because remember, by the end of draft season, Peralta's ADP was like 120, 130. He uh, started to get going, a lot of love because he had his spot, right? Yeah, people were going crazy. But, uh, I mean, I love the park change, uh, and team change for Steven Matz. Uh, okay. uh you know, that defense behind him is arguably the best in baseball. Uh, you know, love him in being in St. Louis in that NL central, you know, the strikeouts are the one thing that kind of keeps him down, but I, I've always felt like there's another level to strikeouts on Steven Matz. and In spite of the fact that he's gotten kind of this injury prone tag because of early in his career, uh. In the last four seasons, he's been healthy. I mean, he threw 150 four innings in 2018, 160 in 2019, only 30 in, in 2020, but, you know, that's 2020. doesn't really count. 150 yeah. last year. Uh, I, I think Steven Matz is one of those guys. He'll, he's going to continue to rise uh, and for good reason, and I'm going to try to get as many shares as I can. Yeah, that defense, I mean, they won uh, how many gold gloves? And he's a ground ball
0: guy. They won some outfield ones, too. So even if he gives up some fly balls, they can track him down. That is an amazing defense. Uh, they already have a guy who maximizes it in the form of of Adam Wainwright. If he's got a few tips for Matts, I, I could see that being nice, too. And I know, you know. I think Matts is kind of going under the radar a little bit. Like not that people don't know him. Obviously he's been around forever. People know him. And they know that that defense is good. But it's still not really pushing his ADP that high. You mentioned it's rising, but it's not going crazy. two fifty six, even his min pick of two thirteen for Matts is not something I'm uncomfortable paying. So I I like that call out there. A little bit of a veteran guy, but who could definitely pop going outside that pick 250. Jason, let's cap it with you. Who's next year's Freddie Peralta?
1: Yeah, by the way, Patina was my answer uh, Ah. early on. So I agree. It fits to a T. <clears throat> but I, I also hinted at this earlier about how out I was on Corey Kluber last year and how ba- um, back in this year. Back I mean, he right now his ADP is ADP's 384. He's two mm-hmm. spots behind the recently relocated landscape manager, Kyle Gibson, <laughs> who <laughs> apparently works outside of my house every day.
4: <laughs> because hey, all both, I hear man. is
1: blowing a machine. Yeah, you don't work annoying. here anymore. You it's don't awful. work here anymore. Uh, but that's where he's, I mean, he's hanging. He's the 142nd pitcher off the board. And to me, it's like when he comes, you know, Last year, yeah, the fastball was gar- It got hit hard, uh, but his other pitches were both had averages below 200. I mean, the league hit a buck 86 off his breaking stuff and buck 91 off the off-speed stuff. Now he's coming to a ballpark in a team that emphasizes contact suppression, which is what his stuff plays up to, uh, and it's sh- and the defense that's that's in Tampa Bay as well. It should all help him. Uh, and so last year, when it's his ADP, I want to say he was sneaking in the top 150 overall last year. Uh, and now that he's way down here, I'm all back in on him. I expect this this price to come up as we get uh, further into the offseason. Um, but if, if you're looking for a place to hide, to accentuate somebody's talents and hide their flaws, it's, it's Tampa Bay. They'll be able to pull him out. He won't have to work as deep into games. We mm-hmm. know that they'll bring some guys in for him. So if he can come in and give them 18 to 20 batters faced and get a lot of weak contact and move out, then he's in good shape.
0: I just adore Kluber, so I I hope you're right. By the way, just a little uh, uh, tying some bows on some things. Kluber's main event ADP was 162, so right around that 150 you mentioned. Probably not quite as high as you had mentioned, Justin. He did get up to 186, though, with his ADP in the main event with a min of 133. So maybe some of those very tail end main events he was starting to creep up. And that's the point. These guys... Will pro- Like all the candidates that y'all mentioned will probably start to move up. Like Patino could follow the exact Peralta path to where you're getting them three something right now. And then you have to pay inside the top 200 going in. So if you if you agree with Eno, uh, and I guess the rest of us, because we all seem to agree that the Patino picks very nice, and you want to get in on it, earlier drafts are probably better. Because I think Patino's got a green arrow next to him and he's
3: only going to go up. There's uh, one other. Yeah, I Justin you were going to do, which is John Gray. Uh, yeah, talking about we, a new place. We,
0: we hinted at yeah. him with the with the Robbie Ray one. Again, I think that that park is gonna like. Obviously, he got on a course. That's great, and I know he, he pitched better there with an ERA. I don't care. Going to Texas, I think, is is huge. That Globe Life Park plays so well for pitchers, and I still think it's kind of a hidden gem because they don't have any good pitchers, and so we don't think about it. Like, I don't think anybody's picking AJ Alexi because of the park. No offense, Glenn to Otto, me. I know he's a big. Actually, I do like Glenado though. To be honest, <laughs> It's a
1: great park. Just, to, I mean, just as a, a as a baseball park, I got to go there this year as Park Number Twenty Nine. Uh, Very nice. It's a great ballpark. I'll, I'll be going well, I did all 30. I, fin- I finally got to Kansas City, so I got all 30. But I went to Cleveland, Texas wow. and Kansas City last year. But the Texas that's part, incredible. I was pleasantly surprised.
0: I have not been to the new one yet. I will be getting to it this year, you know, barring anything uh, going haywire. And so maybe I'll, maybe I'll see John Gray pitch a gem there. So that's a good call out as well. Or Kyle Gibson. But uh, no, he's in Philly. Is he going to play interleague <laughs> game there. Uh, this one, Wander Franco, who is next year's Wander Franco? Top prospect who just dominates off rip. Eno, let's start with you. Somebody who's still prospect eligible—they're going to come up next year, and they're going to be as advertised right away. So it just has to be probably a top fifty-ish type prospect, and then you're kind of open there. Doesn't have to be a hitter, obviously.
1: Uh, I'm going to take Torgelson. We we saw him at the Paul League. Uh, he looked really polished. He is polished. He's you know a college guy. Uh, the minor league strikeout rates uh, don't scare me. Like you know they're great. They're you know they're amazing. They're not like Mookie Bettsian or anything, but they're good. Uh, we saw power, power to all fields. I, I thought we saw even some development over time in his at-bats where he showed like he might got beaten one at-bat and then he'd come back in the next at-bat and do something different. Uh, so, uh, you know, Torkelson, I think is ready to go. And I think, uh, Detroit's kind of getting to the point where they want to show that they're making some improvement. And they're making some strides. So I, I could see him starting from day one, uh, in, in Detroit this year and, and just, uh, and doing well.
0: Flattery gets you everywhere. That's the best pick already. Let's go on to our next segment. Who is next? No, I'm just kidding. I guess I'll let the other guys yeah. pick. But obviously, that's an amazing pick. I, I love him. I actually love Riley Green, too. Both Tigers hitting prospects who are on the cusp have a chance to come up and be, be great right away. I agree. I think Torque. he is that 1-1. One, one. So much to like about him. Um, and he looks ready. So might be a little bit of a time in A to start the year. But I think he can be up quick, ready to go. Jason, I don't know if you're looking at the sheet. Don't don't take Nick's guy. He doesn't know he doesn't know a lot of hitters, so let him have his guy there. Uh, I'm not touching <laughs> a pit. I'm not looking at the sheet. I,
4: uh, okay, I well did. let's
0: see let's see if you take him here. Who who's your guy, Jason? Top no, prospect they, who and- dominates off rip. <laughs>
1: And what I would stress is you never you – know, sometimes we get locked into this thing like, oh, there has to be the opportunity. It's like let that stuff kind of play out. Look oh, for yeah. else, right? Remember
0: Bellinger? Remember when Adrian Gonzalez blocked him off and all their outfielders blocked him? How could he possibly play? Every year
1: there's a story. Uh, yes. So this year I'm going with Nolan Gorman from St. Louis. Oh, I like that one. Nolan Gorman, I mean, you, everything you read about him has been positive. They, they were trying to move him around defensively to give him a quicker path to the major leagues – And one of the other things that really jumped out to me with him, his strikeout rate, the last three years, the last three uh, levels he's played at 32%, 27%, 19%. Like normally that's the other direction, but he's getting as he's moving up the chain. Uh, And to me, it's like, let something, whatever's going to happen in St. Louis, let it figure itself out. I think he gets up uh, uh, and I'm sorry. I believe he gets up uh, and will succeed uh, wherever they play him on the field. But that just from, uh, Talking to some people last year, uh, just really, they're excited about it. I'm excited to see what he can do with the majors. That's the guy that I'm saying this
0: And year. I love that call-out, uh, both call-outs, one about them moving him because they want to get his bat there as soon as possible, trying him out at second and stuff like that, and not getting hung up on the playing time situation because outwardly it doesn't look like there's an obvious scenario. But if Gorman is dominating, they can finagle things around to where, you know, if if somebody's not playing as well in the outfield, uh, you know, Tyler O'Neal, maybe he won't maybe oh. he won't be as good. Uh, but Edmund can move around too. Edmund can go to the outfield, Gorman can play second. That could be an injury and Justin, I know you think the NLDH is still going to be there, and obviously uh, I'm I'm with you again this year. We'll we'll ride that till it dies, but uh, that would give another opportunity for Gorman, not necessarily for him to fill DH, but somebody else to fill DH and get him some playing time. So I like that one. Nick, they left you your guy. Talk to us about Bobby Witt Jr. (laughs) Because, hey, the market's with you. He's going in the top 100. People are ready for Bobby Witt Jr. So talk to us about him.
3: Spoilers. Oh, I'm Spore. sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go Unbelievable. Ahead.
0: Yeah. I was we history. left him and Paul still
2: around it. Oh, how dare
3: I? How dare And I? Uh, no look. So Wander Franco, shortstop. Yeah, get out of here, Spore. Yeah, he left up and stood from his chair. That's right. Now uh, Bobby Witt was someone last year in drafts. We he was the answer to this question for some people because of how well he was going off in spring training. He had another year in Triple A, lowered his swing strike rates, lowered his strikeout rates. Had the same power, the same speed. I would imagine the Royals are like, yeah, sure. You know what? Let's get Bobby Witt up right away. Um, we, I mean, uh, I, I don't really see why he's he wouldn't be up before May first. I mean, who yeah. knows what the CBA stuff is? I, honestly, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. What does the yeah, CBA that, look yeah, like that's in 2022? The part of course. But uh, but yeah, Bobby Witt, easy choice, sweet. No, Next not, pitcher not, question.
0: Not a bad choice at all. <laughs> Justin, wrap us up here. Top prospect who dominates off Rip. Are you going to be the first one to take a pitcher or are you going to sweep it for hitters?
2: Uh, No, I'm going to sweep it for hitters. Uh, And um, Gorman was a guy I was really considering, uh, but I think I'm going to go with a different Tiger in Riley Green. Um, yes, flattery Green. gets you everywhere. You took over the lead from Mino. Yeah, I mean, between AA and AAA last year, he hit three oh one with 24 home runs and 16 stolen bases. I think him and Torkelson come up together and are huge impacts uh, in that lineup. This is obviously a team that wants to try to compete, and it's a, a poachable division. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Riley Green is going to be a stud once he gets up.
0: I love it and I certainly hope you're right, man.
2: pardon the interruption.
1: You're over there talking ding ding ding, giving them all the extra yeah. points. No, no, that's around the horn. Yeah. Tigers
0: or somebody I like, I just shoot your points way up. Say something against me, it's it's over. I'm super, super biased in this grading. Um, Shane McClanahan. Now this one's interesting because he was, a, he was a notable prospect. Like People knew him, but he wasn't top of the scale here. He was outside the top 100 for Fangraphs last year. Uh, so we're looking for a non-top 100 prospect who dominates off rip. Again, you can go hitter or pitcher. I'm using McClanahan as the guy, but it doesn't mean you can't go for a hitter there. Just has to kind of be outside the top 100 prospects right now. So somebody that's that's known to prospect folks, but maybe not super known to the, uh, to the non-prospect lovers – That can go crazy right away. Jason, we get to start with you on this one.
1: Can we stay in the same area? Can I go with the 331st pitcher by ADP and Tommy Romero from Tampa Bay? If you could tell us who that is, sure. Tommy Romero across double A and triple A, 110 innings pitched, 145 strikeouts, 189 averaged against, was protected on the 40 man roster. So he wasn't eligible for the rule five and was in double A and triple A last year. He's 24 years
0: old. Okay. Uh,
1: he spent enough time uh, at, at AAA to say that he is on the 2022 radar uh, for the club. Um, I agree. He's apparently one of those guys who is uh, uh, with all the spin axis work. He is one of those guys in, in that realm. But that's to me, it's like he got 62 innings in AAA with a uh, 20% strikeout minus walk percentage. Uh, You know, if you're looking for the next guy to come up from Tampa Bay, should something happen to one of these guys? This is the guy we
0: are. We are appealing to to Alex Chamberlain yet again. He did his peripheral prospect list, uh, uh, peripheral prospect shortlist in November. November 10th, 2021, he did a hitter's one as well. You can find it at the beginning of that league at the beginning of that article. Romero's in there. And it's it's basically the uh the fringe five carryover from when Carson did that. So looking for prospects that are a bit off the radar. Alex does great work with that, and he highlights Romero as well. We all know that the Rays have a lot of earned trust in the community too, to go out and put, put guys out there in the best position. He'll be age 24 next year. I like this call. Tommy Romero did not know who he was until two minutes ago, but I'm already in Great he has call. gone at
1: 29 drafts uh, so far uh this year he's gone as high as 564 <laughs> but that's uh, he's down there in the randy dobnak use Petit petite uh land but he is if you're looking for the, the the next the next guy up should some something happen to somebody in the rotation he's
0: right near the top of the list I just took him in our draft, Justin, <laughs> just because you'd have two more picks
4: uh, if I didn't take
0: him. You'd have two chances to get him, so I took him with pick four sixty six, just because I, I I believe if 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 it's good enough for Jason Klein and Alex Chamberlain, it's good enough for Paul Sports, clown ass. Nick, next year's Shane McClanahan, non top one hundred prospect who dominates. I I I could say to you that you can go hit or pitcher, but I know you're going to go pitcher. So who who come on.
3: It? Uh, okay. So first of all, when I first saw who's the next year, Shane McClanahan, the answer is easy. It's not exactly what you were saying, but it's actually, it's Shane Boz is Shane McClanahan. Yes. Uh, uh, 20, I, I know that's not what the thousand, question yeah. is.
0: I 1000% agree. But They're it's Shane on that plan.
3: Yep. Now, yep. then if you want to go, okay, someone else in the majors with the same kind of skill set that I think in some ways is not my answer because it doesn't qualify with the prospect stuff, but it's Josiah Gray with okay. two amazing secondary breaking balls, a really a curveball and a slider. And then you have a fastball that needs better command. That is what shimmy Clanahan was last year.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I see also the same kind of innings, everything like that. Josiah Gray. If you want, though, I, I got this. Sh- shocking. Four at 11, I've got uh, a, a guy outside the top 100 that is a prospect pitcher because I acknowledge they don't exist. But it's because he made one start in the majors, and it was the last day of the season. And guess what? I'm going to do one better than your 331, Jason. I'm going to go 360 on you. Uh-oh. Johanna Don with the Nationals. Uh, he went up, shot up from A-plus ball and made that start. Um, has heat, upper 90s, and he has a wicked slider. And who knows? Maybe all of a sudden he gets those starts in the Nationals. The Nationals do not have the deepest repertoire. I'd be shocked yeah. if any of you guys can tell me they're starting five right now in that rotation. No uh, Strasburg, Corbin, Josiah Gray, then Josh Rogers and Paolo Espino. Not even so- Eric Fetty? he's not he's long wow. relief right Pretty now wrap. wow right so there's an opportunity there for Adon to actually showcase himself early Absolutely. on and demand it um i'm not necessarily saying he has that deep of a repertoire that mcclanahan has but i'm going to be taking a look at that if you can harness that velocity a little bit and be throwing a ton of sliders because there is some potential there
0: yoan adon it's it's spelled like joan but it is pronounced yoan i believe you have that pronunciation perfect and then adon for the last name for those that want to look it the him first up. time for anything. He he did he did have a really nice uh, three level season. He kind of got a little sprinkle of the majors in AAA. I guess four level season. Excuse me, high A, double A, AA, A and the majors for Adan. He'll go into AAA and start. Might not come up for like a month, but then when he does, he's got a ton of swing and miss stuff. The Velo's there as well. Joanna Don. I'm going to include Josiah Gray on your on your list there because um, he doesn't perfectly fit it, but I think he's in that realm. And I agree with you, by the way. Boz is going to be McClanahan in terms of how he's going to be used. That's the innings plan they're going to be on. But again, that's not what we're looking for in terms right. of this. Great call out. Gray's a good call, too. I love his stuff. Yeah, I, I still I can't I can't get off the Josiah Gray train despite all the homers. I don't care. I'm 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 diving in. Justin, non non top one hundred prospect who dominates off rip. Who's next year's Shane McClain? Uh I
2: I didn't realize we were we, we were able to do hitters, so mine's a pitcher. Uh and this is a guy uh who's being drafted in a few drafts. Uh average or ADP right now is seven thirty five. <laughs> um so yeah. Super, Wait, let me super. see if I
0: can guess. Because <laughs> I'm I'm down here already since I was looking up a Don. Is it Braylon Marquez?
2: No, it nope. is not. Uh,
0: he's more. Of, I think he's a top 100 prospect. Go ahead.
2: Who's your guy? It's Brandon Williamson of the Seattle Mariners, uh, who's got four uh, four pitches. Has shown, I think, good enough control and decent command, but a ton of strikeouts. Uh, I, I know people are going to be kind of swooning over uh, Kirby and Hancock in that Seattle uh mm-hmm. kind of the Seattle minor leagues uh their pitching. Kirby Hancock uh yeah. I, I was gonna say that too when you said
0: <laughs> Kirby and Hancock I, I was bow, trying to figure out a bow, way to bow. get to the Herbie Hancock bow, you bow, got bow. There. <laughs> but
2: uh, I think Williamson may beat them up there uh you know f- uh, finished in double a 67 innings 348 ERA uh with uh a 33 percent strikeout rate eight percent walk rate um, I think he's the most finished of, of their prospect, uh pitching prospects who are, who are next to come up. Uh, so, super super cheap gamble, fiftieth round of uh, you know NFBC fifties or DCs. Uh, Brandon Williamson's my guy.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really interesting call. They have another guy um, in Seattle that isn't one of the two that you're talking about because uh, Kirby and Hancock all all I are I top one hundred to guys. Because I'm
1: about to
0: say it. Okay, go ahead. Talk to us now about got about American MB. Too matt brash matt brash baby
1: (laughs) so i think uh, you know i think he's close to uh uh, i think they even called him up and he didn't pitch um and uh so he's in he's in some places as as a non-prospect i don't think he ever was a top 100 prospect i also see maybe he has to follow the shane mcclanahan uh, in the bullpen first uh situation um, so I, I, I can't say that I think he'll necessarily give you 150 innings as a starter this year. However, I just wanted to throw out there that a coach that has worked with him told me that Matt Brash had the best slider he'd ever seen. Uh, and that coach used to coach in the Indians organization. Uh, so when someone says something like that, my ears perk up, um, and, uh, I'm excited to see him He had 150 strikeouts in a hundred
0: minor league innings. He, he, he was sick, and yeah, Matt Brash is exactly the name I was going to say that Williamson <laughs> reminded me of. Both those guys, again, Kirby and and Hancock get the love, and they should, which, by the way, Seattle fans, I, you just had that fun season there. There's more on the way, and we just mentioned four pitchers who are on the way in addition to Julio Rodriguez and some hitters, Noelle Marte. A lot of bright future there in Seattle. Uh, that's going to do it for the Shane McClanahan one. Last one here on who is next year's fill-in-the-blank, Vladimir Guerrero. And all I mean right here is a third to sixth round range guy, a young bat who just takes the leap, who finally fulfills the top level, uh, hype that, that, that we believe that they have again, you can go, Oh no, no, this one, has to be a bat. You, you can't pick a pitcher on this one. So I said, uh, young bat who takes the leap third to sixth round, Justin, you get to start us off here.
2: Hmm. This is a difficult one. Uh, because there are, there are a few pretty intriguing options. Uh, I'm going to go a little off the board here. Well, I had two guys. I'm going to mention both just because I feel like it. Um, Randy Rosarena, because he's already kind of done it, and people are looking at last year like it was a disappointment for some reason. I know, which makes absolutely no sense. But, like, you know, I mean, he clearly has 30-30 capabilities. Uh, I think he has an elite eye uh, in terms of recognizing pitches out of a pitcher's hand uh but my other guy is Dalton Varsho and it's it's you know I've been a very anti varshow guy uh you know for the last couple years and in, and in, in vocally on this podcast but I'm talking about a guy who's probably going to play the outfield full time uh catcher eligible power and speed uh and so I, I think uh Varsho is one of those guys that you know, going, I think, around pick 80 something right now that could easily return second round value just because of the catcher eligibility and
4: the Non catching catcher.
2: Though. Yeah.
0: It's, it's
2: the best. It's, it
0: really is. Both names are good calls. And I hear you on the a Rosarena thing. And I feel like I was as big as anybody on him in the industry. I was putting him on all the teams. And I, I am beyond thrilled with the 2020 season. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I don't know what people were expecting. If they have any disappointment in a 2020-274 with 94 runs and 69 ribbies, maybe they wanted more ribbies. But he was at the top of the lineup more. I don't know. I, I loved Reina and I agree he could take even another leap. You um, know, you got some great. You got two great names here, and exactly the type of vibe I'm going for here. Go ahead and highlight both of them, and and give us your uh, your two guys who could be this year's Vlad Guerrero. He's on mute too. You <clears throat> know, you're muted. Yeah, sorry, the kids. Uh, no problem, someone. no problem. Uh, <laughs> I just didn't want you to start on some great point and then realize that you were muted two minutes no, no. into
1: it. My guys, Byron Buxton. Uh, he was number one on that uh, expected extra base hits uh, sheet that I was uh, discussing earlier. Um, and it's really just, I mean, we've, we've all been, we all know that Byron Buxton is great. It's just he just needs that one healthy year. And I think, uh, you know, if he does it, we'll think of him differently after the season's
4: over
0: absolutely do, do you want to say a word about jazz chisholm too because you put him as a candidate and i think that's a great call too that he could take that leap and he could be i mean he could be a 30 30 guy he's got those kind of skills like how high can he reach this year
1: i think it's all about that
0: strikeout rate i mean if he can if he can stop stick... now hold on
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I don't think his kid agrees that jazz chisholm is a breakout candidate so he was letting it's dad over. know that he disagrees if he could strike out like
1: twenty six, twenty seven percent of the time, I think uh, he can be a star. I think at thirty two, thirty three, I I think he'll just have like a two ten batting average, two twenty batting average, and and kind of be a rough, uh, a rough, uh, rough on one year categories, kind of kill you there. Uh, but uh, nice. in any given season, if he gets a little bad of ball luck and you know, strikes out 26, 27% of the time, you know, definitely 30, 30, uh, possibility there.
4: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Rosa Reyna, Varsho, Buxton, Chisholm, four guys with amazing talent that, uh, that could be kingmakers. I, you know, this, this upcoming year, Jason used that term earlier that if you have them, they could be going off. Jason, who are your, who is your guy to be this year's Vlad Guerrero? Third to sixth round guy, young bat that pops off fully.
1: Yeah, so I took that from, you know, obviously somebody falling in between picks 45 and 90, ADP 45 and 90. Uh, and like the obvious, like the, the Luis Patino obvious answer to me here is Aloy Jimenez.
0: That's a great one. That, that's a great one. And you're talking like does the 300, 30, type season, right? Correct. Yeah, because he doesn't run. <laughs> he's going to have to deal yeah, yeah. with, no
1: with the bat. Uh, buddy. we know what his potential, I mean, he's already hit 30 home runs at the major league level. We know he can do that. It's just a matter of, can you do it at high enough in the lineup to get the other run production necessary for it? That's really what it comes down to. But for me, it's like, when I looked at that, because I don't want to take somebody else's, there were two names that came to mind looking at that. He was the, he was the obvious one uh, to me uh, in the in this range.
0: Yeah, I, I like that one, too, and I, I agree that he has some of that Patino vibe of the obvious guy. i like, we're waiting for it. We've seen the flashes, and it's just a matter of time before it uh, as truly got as high as 19,
1: off. somebody else believes.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, listen, the batting average is there, too. I know he only hit 249 this past year. In a dream year for Jimenez, he can hit over 300 with 30-plus, uh, more than 30-hours, really 40-100-100 type deal. So he can be an absolute god and put up a Vlad-type season. Nick. Again, a hitter one. You said, I have one. One. Okay, four. So you have, you have candidates here, which I appreciate.
3: Who are your well, guys? I, I realized something. I don't need to do anything new here. We already did this. It's oh. Wanda Franco and Bobby Witt. Uh, That's true. I, there it is. It, we're done. Okay. I love there it. they are. Wanda Franco's it. at 54 right now. I mean, we, I think we all know that he's a possible first-round talent.
0: Absolutely. We know I, that.
3: I think a big key is if he runs enough, right?
0: Because right. Uh, we haven't totally seen it, but in a dream season, everything's going well and he puts up 18 to 22 stolen bases along with everything else he can do. Yeah. And then wit, if he hits the ground running immediately um, obviously he's being drafted as though he can do that too. So these are great calls, even though they right. are guys we've talked about, I I, I think they are good call outs. You know, also, I'm, I'm
3: trying to be that guy in family feud that just chooses Turkey for every single answer
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and you just contribute,
0: right? You're just, you're just trying to make sure you get like the fourth answer. Around the board, you're not there it always is. going for those
3: number
1: ones,
0: there, especially in the <laughs> well, hitting ones.
1: Since Nick didn't take it, I will add the other guy I was considering here was Kettle Marte.
0: Yes, um, hmm. God, could we finally get him? And this is by the way, he's my number one go to guy when I say about how much run, uh, about much about how much running is a personal choice as much as team because he could steal 30 bases running backwards, I feel like, and he has no desire to do it. So Mm. hopefully he comes in fully healthy, finds a little interest in stealing and becomes an absolute monster because the sky, there's still a sky high ceiling for Ketel Marte. Great call out. All right. Me and Ketel Marte,
2: no desire to run. Same, same. Let, let, not let even that. Chased. let me join it's that, just, that will be.
0: all right now we get to the fun okay all that was that was that was work okay you guys were putting in excellent work and i appreciate it now i turn it over to my co-host justin here to lead us in a game of reliever or congressman or house <clears throat> representative whatever uh,
2: a politician is basically what we're going for so take it over justin they are all congressmen so okay wonderful wonderful so i am going to say a name and it is up to you guys to decide whether or not this person is a Major League Baseball reliever, so in the majors, or at least according to Roster Resource, uh, or a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. So we're going to start with John King. What, what order are we going on? You got to call us out. Uh, Paul, go ahead first.
0: I mean, this could totally be both. Are you you throwing any boths at us? Because there's definitely some John King who is like, uh, you know, working on the 10th district of somewhere so-and-so. But I think you might be talking about Texas reliever John King, who I only know because he's an out-of-the-park god. So uh, I'm sealing this one, and I can make this one quick because the other guys don't even have to answer because I know I'm right. John King, Texas Ranger.
2: Well, screw you. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So uh, I'll, I'll give everybody the point for that one. That that that, I, that, I gotta, that I, one I backfired really, really, really I, I, easily. I'm sorry.
0: I'm, I totally again,
4: knew it too. So
0: blame out of the park baseball. Yeah. He has like he's a reliever with high stamina. He's a very fun card to use, and that's why I knew him. I'm sorry to blow that one up, but I had to do it.
2: All right. Well, I'll, I'll just move on to Eric Handhold. Eric Handhold. Nick, is he a reliever or? Is he a member of the U.S. House of Representatives?
3: Oh, that's that's obviously the House of Representatives.
2: Jason, is Eric Hanhold a reliever or a member of the U.S. House of Representatives? He is a member of the Household of Representatives. House Eno? of Representatives. <laughs> oh, you're on mute again, Eno. Eno's muted.
1: A House house of Representatives, although Household of Representatives I like better.
0: Hey. And Paul. I'm going to sweep it for for a politician here, for House house of Representatives, uh, probably out in Wyoming. You guys are
2: all incorrect.
4: He is a reliever for the
2: Pittsburgh Pirates.
4: (laughs) Oh,
0: that's not a real team. We said Major League team, man. (laughs) Roasted.
2: All right. uh, Next one is Ralph Garza, Jr., You know, is he a member of the House of Representatives or is he a major league reliever?
1: I know this one because he messes up all my stat cast to, you know, all my conversion (laughs) sheets, you know, he's a junior. Because he's a junior. junior The The reasons we know he's
4: hilarious.
1: (laughs) I always assumed he was Matt's son.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I give give everybody the credit on that one since he, you know, knew it was the correct answer. Um, Next one is Juan Vargas. Jason. Juan Vargas, is he a reliever or a member of the U.S. House of Representatives? He is a member of of the D.C. House of Representatives. Nick, Juan Vargas.
3: Well, you know, I think Juan, um, when he was advertising for himself, he's like, I am all for the Vargas rule. (laughs) House of Representatives. Paul, Juan
2: Vargas.
0: Jason said it with such confidence that I'm I'm going to go with him and, and say that he's not Jason Vargas's child, but he is
2: indeed a politician. <laughs> Eno, Juan Vargas.
1: Uh, just in case they're all wrong, I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Juan Sorry,
2: Vargas is, it. is a member of the House of Representatives. Yes. Uh, a yes. bonus point if you can guess which state. Texas. Dallas. Idaho. New Mexico. Bonus point, Eno, even though you got it wrong. Wow, nice. Oh, uh,
3: New Mexico. California.
2: No. It is California. He is. In- oh,
0: he, got, he saved, saved my point. <laughs>
2: Juan Vargas is the representative. <laughs> From, uh, from the 51st District of California. Wait, I love I'm waiting for the you to go, going, wait, that's my district. Yeah, he's
4: like,
0: <laughs> I you tried to make one...
2: sure that no, no, none of these uh, congressmen... No, should
0: have done one from one of our districts to expose how little we know about our local <laughs> politics. <laughs> that that would have been, been, been a smart. good way to... Because I, I don't know my mm. representatives, so yeah, I'm a bad person. Okay, ne- who's next after Juan Vargas?
2: Uh, Brennan Doyle. Is Brennan Doyle... A member of the House of Representatives, uh, Eno, or is it a U.S. congressman? Or oh, sorry, or a relief pitcher.
1: I'm going with politician. Jason? He makes rules in the House of Representatives. <laughs> oh, Doyle rules.
3: <laughs> Nick? I mean, the way that you messed that up, Justin, it's definitely a politician.
2: Paul? <laughs>
0: I just use other people's answers. Nick sold me on that categorization, so I'm going to go with Nick and say politician.
2: Yeah, I did mess it up. He he is a politician. (laughs) For a bonus point, what state? He is a Democrat, by the way. Okay. Brennan Doyle. Illinois. What did you say, Paul?
1: Massachusetts.
0: Uh, They said Illinois, Massachusetts. I'll say Iowa.
1: I will say...
2: Uh, Pennsylvania. It is Pennsylvania's Second Dang, district. The last wow. guest keeps
4: getting
0: it. The last guesser keeps getting it. By the way, you might hear typing after each name. I'm putting them in the spread, sh- in the rundown sheet, folks, just so no one thinks I'm cheating because it'd be the lamest thing so, in the world it, to cheat it, at this it, game. The Paul Stars
4: competition? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to make
0: sure that the integrity is here. Uh, So when people hear that typing, it's just me putting the name in our rundown so that we have so people can cheating. play at
2: home. Not cheating, not the, cheating. The next one is Trevor Stefan. Trevor Steffen Paul first? is he a major league pitcher or is he a member of the US House of Representatives I think I I think I know this guy I'm not this is not like the John
0: King one where I'm like I know this guy I can say things about him I think he pitches for Cleveland so I'm going to say I think pitcher Nick
3: Now my uh... My instinct is normally two first names. I don't trust them, so I'm politician. (laughs) But I'm going reliever here. Jason.
1: Yeah, I'm going reliever, and I think he pitches in Arizona. I think. In Eno.
0: You're muted again.
1: Sorry, these kids are. No, it's no problem. (laughs) Uh, going with
0: uh, reliever.
2: It is a reliever for the Cleveland Guardians. There, ah, there yes. you go. Yes. Uh, yeah, I,
0: cu- I couldn't down. place anything about him. It just
2: was an a inkling
0: there on, on him being for Cleveland. I think uh, I was
1: going with the Stephen Crichton. That's the pitcher I had in mind with Arizona. I, I yes, have,
2: yes, uh, exactly. I have two more. Um, okay. Let's see. Mike Gallagher. Is Mike Gallagher a pitcher, a relief pitcher in Major League Baseball, or is he a representative of the U.S. Congress? Jason. He is
1: a representative of
2: Congress. Nick. Believer. Eno. Believer. Paul.
0: I can't stop thinking about Sean Gallagher, who I, I thought was going to be good when he pitched. Sean Gallagher and Sean Marshall. I think I liked both of them as Cubs. Uh, and it leads me to pitcher, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say politician because I'm just thinking of them and, and projecting that onto Mike Gallagher. I think he's not a
2: pitcher politician. He is a US House House of Representatives member. No, oh a Republican. God. Uh Paul, do you have a guess? What state for hey. bonus point? Maine. Nick. Let's go with uh Mississippi. Jason.
0: Everyone guess that state.
2: Uh uh, Eno. Needed. I'm going with uh, Texas. Incorrect. All of them. Wisconsin.
4: Ah, and the last heavy, right? one,
2: <laughs> the Capper. The last one should be an easy question. David Price, is he a major league reliever? Or is he a this US has to be the same
0: or the both one? I knew you'd throw a both one. This has to be it. I'm going both.
2: We gotta both?
3: Both. Both?
2: Yeah, both. I'm now do we
3: define both. David Price as a starter or a reliever? Aha, uh-huh, That's
2: the question.
0: That's true. He could be he could be tricking us completely, <laughs> thinking pulling the rug out from
3: us. I question your honor. Um your is honor. this what is reliever being defined by?
2: By roster resource.
3: I'm going to go with uh, Congressman because David Price is the number five uh, starter for the Dodgers right now.
2: That is correct. I hate you.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Technical Tommy and your stupid clarification yes. questions. Well
2: uh, done. Well done. W- what state there, Nick? Um, Republican or Democrat? He is a Democrat. Well, this is clearly David Price
3: of Connecticut. Uh, Paul. Uh,
0: this is obviously David Price of Illinois. Uh, Ina. I'm going to go
2: with Georgia. And no, Jason <laughs> immediately yeah. crushes himself. Florida. Florida. I'm going Florida. I almost said Florida. But I'm going Georgia. Okay. uh Incorrect, everybody. He is the uh fourth district of North Carolina. ha
0: <laughs> ah, here it is. <laughs> I was gonna say.
2: I'm sorry. I just when I saw his name on the list of congressmen, I just no, that was perfect. I couldn't I, I, help myself.
0: I, I, you know, I was trying to think of where you were gonna throw the curveball, and I thought it was gonna be a both, but mm. Nick had it right that it was a different type of yes. curveball, and so he got it. Very well done, there, gentlemen. That is going to wrap up the 1000th episode of The Sleeper in the Bus and I let it in 45 minutes
1: that's amazing
0: I, uh, I I got to say from the bottom of my heart, I love all four of you. You're four of my very best friends, not just in the industry, just in my life. I've been friends with all of you for a very long time. And uh, I appreciate all of you for making all of this time to be with us. And uh, can't wait to see you guys soon at our next drafts here coming up uh, in a couple months. So thank you all. Thank you, Justin, for being a wonderful co-host. I'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you, Nick, for being a wonderful co-host and friend. I'll talk to you on a fireside very soon. Yeah. Jason, thank you for being my longest friend in the industry, introducing me to The Forecaster, being an all-around all amazing person, and a bit of a father figure to me over these years. <laughs> you Keeping me on the straight and narrow there from those early years at Roto Junkie and Eno. You know, Anything I, to you, I, Daddy Fat Sex.
4: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I owe so much to
0: you, know. uh, You are an amazing person, and uh, there's <laughs> a reason you're so beloved in the industry, and I, I, I share in that love, I love you, man. You're the best, so thank you for everything that you've done in this industry, and for me specifically
1: speech and, and uh, love to you guys and congratulations on a thousand
0: thank you all right that'll wrap Kids it up too. gentlemen take care justin i'll talk to you again early uh next week take
2: it easy